Hi, you guys. Very welcome to Your Aunties Could Never, episode 59. My name is Auntie AK, and I'm here with... As Auntie Farah Frozen. It's weird because everyone's frozen. You're frozen, Auntie Farah. Freezing, and I'm fine, but I... Hello? I'm Auntie AK, and I'm here with... Hear me now. <laughs> You're really frozen. Don't know what's happening. Can you hear me? Can you see me? I don't know. We can see you now, and we can. I think we're all right now. So I'm on TAK, and I'm here with <laughs> Farah. There you go, Auntie Nana and Auntie Shade. There you go. <laughs> all good. Um, how are you, ladies? Good. Yeah. It's, it's Tuesday. Yeah. Nah, it's good. It's good. Still the beginning of the week. Yeah, it's still the beginning of the week. It, it, I feel like I've done a week already in one day. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get cracking into our game. Um, <laughs> I always laugh at these questions. Our producer, Nisi Talia, she just tries to get me all the time with these crazy things. Okay. Would you rather... No, would you feel worse if no one showed up to your wedding or to your funeral? Definitely funeral. Definitely. I I don't know because I'm living and I'm breathing. I mean, yes, it's just two things. I'll do the thing is, do I know that no one turned up to my funeral? Whereas if I'm standing at my wedding and I've invited everybody and I know and I'm conscious and I'm standing there, just me and my husband and no one's turned up. Why did no one turn up to my wedding? Why do you need people at your wedding? No, but that's fine. But the question is if without going into layers, because otherwise, yeah, if I'd chosen to go and marry with my man on our own in a remote place and haven't invited anyone, that's fine. I'm in control of that. But if I've invited my people then to my wedding and no one shows up, no one, What's wrong with that? That's a problem. Because I've invited, I've ventured out and invited people. But in my death, as providing I we don't see anything, we're not floating above watching while gone, then I don't know. So I actually would be protected from not knowing. So I think in consciousness, I'd like people to turn up to my wedding because I'm still here to experience it. I'm I'm gonna go with wedding. Uh yeah, wedding. I, I remember our traditional. There was like a period where me and me and Russ were getting lots of text messages of people being like, sorry, you can't make it. Did it has come up? And that was like, oh my God, Seth, it's just us and the family there. <laughs> like we really did have that that thought going into it. Um, because there was just so many texts of I can't make it. And your funeral, I really do think that people are hovering above. And I do mm-hmm. think you can stay maybe like 10 minutes before you float away. So I wouldn't really mind that if nobody turned up to my funeral, but I am going to, if I can haunt some folks, I'm going to do it. <laughs> some people that were supposed to show up and didn't, that I would, I would haunt them. So definitely wedding. Auntie Farah. Can't hear you, my love. I wouldn't care if no one sh- showed up at my wedding, because I doubt that I'd be inviting the world of people anyway. I feel like I'd secret squirrel somewhere off and it'd just be me and my fantasy husband <laughs> but if no one turns up at my wedding i want because I, I will be haunting you lot i'll be there i want to see wild one i want to see you lot like 
dancing up and you know laughing and telling Farah stories and if no one was there sharing and sobbing for me and wailing and saying why did she die oh my god I'm so sad like I'd haunt everybody every day for the rest of eternity people would get haunted shit would happen and you'd know it'd be me so yeah I want everyone at my funeral you remixed it, Farah, because it was the wedding. No one showed up to your wedding, so it's inv you invited people, the people you wanted to come, and they didn't turn up. I'm just letting you know you can't remix it. Well, the only person that would be invited to my wedding would be the priest, and if the priest didn't show up, then we'd marry ourselves. We jump the broom. So you're telling me that none of uh, we're we're not coming to your wedding, Farah? If you say that, I would secret screw somewhere away with my fantasy husband. Oh. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> would you rather be a kid your whole life or an adult your whole life? A kid. Is there an age range? It doesn't have an age range. I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking that too, because I was thinking like, what's the age range? What kind of kid? Child, definitely. Because you couldn't pay me to be a teenager again. But no, I would be paid to be a teenager. Oh my god, those were the best years of my life. I'll, oh my be, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be an adult for the rest okay. of the Okay. Uh, yeah, if it was teenager or adult. Because I, I have an agency, I can do stuff. I can, I've got power. As a kid, you can't do anything. Do you know what I mean? People take advantage, molest you. <laughs> sorry, that was a bit extreme. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking, for your bills are paid, your food gets made, your clothes get washed. You're in a bad family or something. Do you know what I mean? I know. That's why I have age range, because from a well, certain age range, the producer said either age 10 or 40 and if that be the case 40 all day long yeah 40, 40 man 40, yeah. 40. definitely that ain't happening at age 10 what are you in year five or something that's dead yeah. no dead. and that's right. too close what's that again for antifara i said 10 is too close to being a teenager as well because you can't do stuff because you're not a teenager but then you you can't do things that Kids like nine and under do either. It's a weird age. I wouldn't be yeah. 10, no. No, I could never. Yeah, 40, thanks. 40. Um, would you rather be able to speak all languages or be able to speak to all animals? I'm going to say animals. Languages. No, languages. Definitely languages. Because animals understand what language you chat to them in anyway. Exactly. True. Yeah, but I, mean, I you can oh. communicate on such an extreme level, like do you know what I mean? Speak to everybody. Like yeah. your your everything goes like your money just goes up. Like yeah. <laughs> just, right? you just put more understanding or everything. That would just be amazing. Love yeah, that. Just, you speak to animals, you're a freak, to be honest. Well, what to do still managed it. Thank yeah, you. but I mean he's not real, what first of all. And If you could speak to all animals and control them. Like, believe me, they would lock me up. Uh -huh. <laughs> there's you no guarantee. I'd say. They They'd be locking you up, man. They come for you. They'd even no, lock you up. They'd test you. They'd open up your brain and yeah. test you. Say, oh, wow. Well, thank you for going the negative route. But yes, I'd like to talk to all the animals there. <laughs> I, I, I know an animal whisperer. So then, she's, so then she's out and about. Like, then nobody's locked her up. 
I'm saying. I don't know why it went so deep. Because, like, it's a special skill. It could be my, my special skill. And, like, yes, I'm the horse whisperer, donkey whisperer, lion so whisperer. When you're, when, you're whisperer. In the, when you're in the sea and you see the fishes and they say, don't eat me, don't eat me. <laughs> We go to like a restaurant or something and they've got the live shit there that you can pick. Yeah. Please, I've, I've got children. Don't <laughs> eat me. Free me. Help me. Help me now. Yeah. <laughs> you, go to, you go to a zoo and they're like, thank you. Yeah. This is a natural habitat. Let me go. I want to be free. They're threatening you as well. Like, I saw you walk yeah. past it the other day. <laughs> family artichade okay <laughs> sorry um actually it's a bit of a sad one um i am welcoming to the family azalea diamond kane who's a daughter of ashley kane he actually passed away uh eight months old um and it's kind of like the whole family to be honest you know what i mean i think it's very difficult obviously when you lose a child and um they've been able you know they they've had to deal with this in the public eye um, as well. Um, she died from leukemia, and I think that it's just it's just touched a lot of people, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge that really kind of thing and acknowledge their 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 plight. Absolutely, sending love and condolences to um, yes. and the family. Yeah, definitely, definitely. definitely. Um, now let's move on to what have you heard? It's where we pick up a news story from the past week or today and we discuss it. Auntie Shada, you're going first, and I don't think it's what's on the running order, but um, yes, why am I going first? Because okay. you... all right, fine, 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 I will go first. I'm happy to go first, in fact. So, my story is about uh, 16 year old Micaiah Bryant, um, he was fatally shot by. Uh, shot dead by police outside her foster home in Columbus, Ohio. Um, now, when Makayla, I think I'm saying her name right, Makayla, sorry if I'm not, I, I apologise, um, was shot. She was holding a knife, uh, but the body cam footage shows that there was no real attempt um, by the police to uh, de-escalate de the situation. In fact, it's actually alleged that um, Makaya called the police or someone called the police on her behalf for protection as she was defending herself against two older former foster children who had picked a fight with her. So um, now we have like people like Candice Owens calling her knife-wielding maniac. We have people like Don Lemon um, seemingly siding by the, uh, with the police saying that, um, this is a quote, he said, we need to be honest and use our common sense and we cannot have a double standard and police have a job to do. So my question is, is that their job then? Um, and is this narrative um, fair when so many white terrorists in America are arrested like unharmed? They're arrested and they still keep, get to keep their life. Auntie Nana. I I was so after this news broke, like you know, when everybody is celebrating um the the guy getting locked up for killing George Floyd, I 
I didn't watch the footage, but I was really surprised at how many black people were on my timeline being like, no, you can't compare this. Like, this can't be considered police brutality because she had a knife. Like the police, like he couldn't have used a taser. He he could have rugby tackled her. Like, she's 16 years old. She's not that tall. And then the releasing of the body cam footage when the reports are that she was actually shot in the chest and the body cam footage, he's behind her. So he's watching her charge. At some point, this has to have been, he ran around her to shoot her. So why would you not have, if you watched her charging with a knife from behind, why would you not have tasered her from there? But somehow you got in front of her to shoot her in her chest. She w- it, There was no reports that she was shot in her back. It was front way shooting her. So that's like something else took place aside of the footage that they put out straight away, which they never do. I'm just surprised at how black folk are really quick to go to actually like erase what we know to be factual, that when the police are in front of a black person, they, they see no value in their life and they will kill them. And there was no reason why a knife fight needed to end in a 16-year-old dying, like really, aside from her being a female, like just the taser would have taken her down. Um, And what do we expect from Candy Owens? Really, I expect her to say some shit. She's just the living troll. Watch her in a few years come out and do a Stacey Dash and be like, I'm so sorry. I mean, I was having a bad time or some shit like that. And Don Lemon, I expect, this from him because he's a turncoat um yeah it's just disappointing it's really disappointing Antifara um I saw a clip of her name is Sunny Hostin I think that's how you say her name and she is a panelist on The View with Whoopi Goldberg right and she's also a former federal prosecutor And she came out and first of all, she said, Don Lemon is her friend, but he's wrong. She said, I've known this man for many years and he's a dear friend, but he's wrong. Please explain. She's what she said. She summed it up beautifully. She said, please explain why in the case of black people, full force is always used. It's always shoot to kill. Now, you are a trained professional. I didn't know Auntie Nana that he was actually behind her. Right. Either way. What's that thing about you don't bring a knife to a gunfight? Yeah, because what's what's more powerful? If you see someone wielding a knife, you can take them out in many different ways. You can kneecap them, you can tase them, do so without using brute, deadly force. They didn't even second guess it. They went straight for the gun and they shot and they killed her. This was like simultaneous almost with the George Floyd, um, the, the the Derek Chauvin, sorry, guilty um, verdict. And it, it, it just goes to show everyone's, everyone's celebrating, we've won, we've won, this is the change. No, there's no change because the system hasn't changed. The system is still, the system is still in tatters and it needs to be looked at. Why must you always use brute force? But in the case of serial killers who go and fucking shoot up churches, um beauty salons and various other locations around america you can escort them out say feed them give them water 
wave them on their way and then have to pick them up later. The guy that was shooting people, the 17 year old boy that went around shooting protesters during last year's um, Black Lives Matter marches and then basically walked past the police. The police gave him a bottle of water and thanked him for his service whilst he was brandishing a shotgun. He got away. You're trying to tell me that you can't use the same sort of care when you see somebody with a knife. You can't tell me that you can't instruct them to get down, put the knife down, then use a taser. The first thing you're going to do is reach for your gun and kill somebody. Come on now. System's flawed. Something's flawed. And anyone that says you've got to look at it the same way, it's not the same as George Floyd, fuck off. It is the same. It's just got a different label. But it's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah, I don't know what you guys have said it really. It's um, it, the, 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 the black people who are doing this false equivalency, they're really annoying because this is why we're so easily um, divided, as they say, because it's so easy to apply some sort of like um, postage stamp logic to something and then make that be okay. And then everyone's like, yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, I think DJ Envy was even speaking when Dr. Umar was on the show on The Breakfast Club and he was even saying, my dad's a former cop and actually, you know, you can use brute force in, if you see immediate danger, whatever, whatever. But it's just not that. And it is that whole thing of why is it only black people that they see us as some sort of, I don't know, big force to be reckoned with. It, it betrays their fear of us. It, it, it always betrays their fear of us. But that fear is so dangerous because it ends up with us disproportionately dying at their hand of the people that are supposed to know better. They're all, you know, there were lots in the Derek Chauvin trial. There were so many experts that talk about police training and all the training that they go through. They go through extensive training. You're supposed to know how to de-escalate a situation. And as you guys have all said, she was 16 years old and a woman, so a, a young girl, so a girl at that. So as a man, you should be able to assess your situation. I'm sure in everyday walk of life, you do not feel threatened by any type of girl. So in this moment, when you had to use extra sense, why did you draw for your gun? How, in what way do you draw for your gun in this situation? I remember um, being near my mum's and there was um, some sort of argument. And I saw there was a young little girl and her sister and her little brother were arguing with a white man and his girlfriend. And they were being cheeky teenagers for sure but they were young kids. But the man at one point got so, and I think me and my daughter started to intervene because we could see where it was going. And the man started to get so enraged and he shoved, the girl was like 15 and she was a little bit, like a little bit. He shoved her with his whole man force. He was a tall white man as well, shoved her and she went flying. And I was like, are you like, me and my daughter were like, come on now, we tried, we de-escalated the situation and everyone was watching and there were, patrons of the restaurant that was nearby that were saying, you know, like one of the women was like, you know, but they were being so bad. I said, but look at the size of her and look at this little girl. She goes, well, she's not, she's about 18. I'm like, no, she, what are you seeing? And she had children with her herself. And I'm like, this little girl is a little girl. And she literally said, oh, she was about 18. No, she wasn't. And she would have gone back to the police and whatever, whatever, because the police were called and said, yes, it was an 18 year old, she was an adult. The girl was a little girl. And I I could see her as a little girl. I don't know what this woman and what everyone else saw. And everyone was comforting the white man. And I, it was such a weird situation to see and to see how this man didn't see a child, just saw something to just take down by any means necessary. It was horrible and horrendous. And that's how they see us. Um, it's, it's um, I don't know what to say anymore. And, and for the people's, the black people justifying it, it's just shut the hell up, just shut up, just shut up. This is not how we move forward. And Candice Owens, we already know, I don't know when her moment will come. I can't, I don't know.
Auntie M, Sade. Yeah, no, I agree with all of that. I think um, as well, it's, uh, in one of the clips, uh, I did actually watch a clip, you know, it was really, really difficult. Um, you know, you can hear one of the police officers saying like, Blue Lives Matter as well, to add, you know, insult to fucking injury. It's just bloody ridiculous. Like, I, 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 I just, it just feels like they're, they're at war with us at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? Like every every single time it comes up and I just feel like this is again, like another example of like the criminalization of young black girls at the end of the day, they're not allowed to be young. They, they're immediately like turned into an adult and, and, and treated with like adult force. And I was thinking about, cause I saw a lot of people like, you know, you know, talking about the knife and you know, that she shouldn't be, you know, what kind of person is she and all that kind of stuff and it just reminded me and I just like say a little personal story like back in the day like I I I used to carry a knife right and that was because the world that I was in and everything like that and I it kind of um in the world I was in it seemed very normal to be able to, to do that because we felt like we was on constant threat like it all started with this this person had a fight with someone and I was actually breaking up the fight. She wanted, she wanted me to pass her her bag so she could stab someone. And I said, no. And I kind of, I, you know, managed to kind of with someone else split them up, but that was not how the story went back to someone. And then I became a target. So literally, I, and I was in school, so I'll be at the bus stop and I'll get, you know, jumped or I'll be, do you know what I mean? Going to my friend's house and I'll, I'll I'll get jumped, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So for me, it was like very, the threat was really, really real. Now, jump forward to now, you would, you probably looking at me, never think that I'm, I'm the type of person that's been through something like that, had to feel like I had to defend myself like that. Do you know what I mean? So it just kind of, I guess the story really resonated with me a lot because I feel like, when you feel like there's no one there for you and you have to protect yourself, then you go to those extremes. Now, if you just pick me up and plop me in the States and that happened, I could have been, I could have died. Do you know what I mean? If someone called the police and I, I could have been dead in that situation. And that's just like, it, it's just, it's just absolutely insane to me that this young girl hasn't been given the opportunity of life like I have. Do you know what I mean? And there's literally not much difference between us. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was, I don't know, it was just very, very difficult. And I just wish that people would be more empathetic and more kind of take a moment to think of like, how did they even get there in the first place? And that's not just the police, but also when we see these stories on our timelines, not just condemning the people just because the narrative is to criminalize. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't know what, has gone on to that point to be in that situation in the first place. Yeah, I think it's that thing where we collectively as black people aren't given the, the, the chance of a future. It's just like, kill them because their lives are worthless. And we feed into that, of course, and we turn on each other, of course, but it's the people that we're supposed to trust in authority that see us like that. How the hell are we supposed to survive in a place where, in a world, I think even America has had 
some sort of conversation about it not being institutionally or systemically racist. I caught it quickly, so I didn't in, exactly, I didn't go into it further. But it's like these governments are trying to pat themselves on the back and say, oh, no, we've come a long way since slavery, colonialism and all that type of stuff. You haven't come a long way because you haven't changed anything. You can't come a long way. Yes, you, you can't do the things that um, would have, you know, were so in our, in our face because we've evolved and we've pushed back but it doesn't mean to say that you've come a long way and things are better. The whole system, as you, as they say, the um, police system in America was on the back of, you know, post-slavery when they wanted to control black, freed black people because they were upset with the fact that they were galvanizing themselves and getting on and creating towns and building up their own fortune. But a bunch of angry white men who didn't like to see the advances of black people decided to create the sheriff and all that type of stuff and are disproportionately in, um, create laws that held black people back. And that has been the system that's evolved into the police system today. So how can you have evolved? How can you have come forward? Um, and it's and also another conversation around this is the, 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 the force versus the actual crime. Because like, even with like Derek Chauvin with, um, sorry, I, I wanna remember everyone's name, but um, the guy that was selling cigarettes who died, um, who the first guy who was saying he can't breathe, You've got those Eric types Garner. of, oh, thank you, Eric Garner, Sandra Bland, all these, in quotes, minor misdemeanors that end up in someone dying. Why is it that black people have to get the, the death as a sentence? They're not given a chance to go to trial or to court or anything. Death is a sentence for someone doing a minor thing. And even this girl, as you guys have said, don't know the situation. We don't even know the situation. Don't even know why she was had the knife. We don't know why she was going for the girl. We don't even know what the argument was. Argument was prior to that. But she didn't need to die by by a gun. She really didn't. And it's really looking at why. I think someone else was saying, like you know, the, the traffic stop. Someone's getting traffic. You've got a busted tail light. Maybe you've got some warrants for. You know, you haven't paid parking tickets and stuff like that. Why does that result in someone dying? Is it that deep? I was thinking the other day because I think there's another guy called Andrew. Andrew Brown. I think his name is it's the latest guy that's been killed in North Carolina. Yeah, Andrew Brown. So he was a drug dealer, had warrants, but he's a drug dealer and had warrants. He wasn't a wasn't violent crime, wasn't that. I'm not justifying drug dealing, but at the point when you guys when the police were looking for him, he drove. I think they shot him and then he drove off or whatever the case is. He wasn't violent in the moment and he didn't have a weapon. And they the body cam shows that he had his hands on the steering wheel when he was being shot. So what happens if you let that person get away? You know who they are and then. Do another stakeout or do whatever you need to do as please. what is it in the moment that you've got to get it because i that why do you have to get that moment sorted out then even with um george floyd if you let him go for that time i don't i know maybe it's like you know did he have to be arrested at that moment i don't understand sandra black all these type of things do they have to be arrested do you have to resolve the crime in that moment in in, in that time it's not by force especially if it's not a standoff or something where it's really violent or could escalate what is what is the thing about de-escalation? That's the part that I don't understand with these police people. I think for me, it's not a matter of do they have to arrest them at that moment. It's the way that they arrest them because they arrest white people at the moment, but they arrest them safely. It's no, I understand what they're that. Doing. It's, it's yeah. what they're doing. That's the issue. And it shouldn't be. And I hate when they turn around after they kill somebody and start dragging up their history. I don't care if someone sold drugs. I don't care. It doesn't mean that you have the right to be judge and jury and to administer the death penalty. It, that's, that's when you take on the job as a police officer, that's not your oath that you swear. You swear to serve and protect. That's what you swear. You don't swear to, to kill and then no. check 
itself. That's not what happens. And just to say, like I like, like all of us say all the time, the UK is not innocent of this shit. There is a girl that's in, in in prison right now as we speak. I think I spoke about her before. Her name is Siander. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but she's a black girl from Wales, from Cardiff. And she was she was um abused by I think four elder people than her, like her and her boyfriend, I think at the time, they were racially abused, they were beaten down. She used a bottle to defend herself. And when the police came, they immediately arrested her. She's now serving a big old sentence for GBH for, for, for flipping defending herself because they've come and they've seen a black girl and four white people and who's to blame? The black girl. So there is something to be said about what, like, like you said, Auntie AK, what is this fear that you have of us immediately? That's what you need to address. Stop thinking that we're going to come for you. Maybe because you feel like we've got a right to come for you. That's why you're doing that. But you need to check yourself because we're actually complying and to the point where it's very difficult to comply to everything that you're saying because it's contradictory. Hands on, hands on the steering wheel. Show me your driving license. Which one do you want me to do? I can't do both. Get out of the car with the lieutenant the other day in America when they were like, get out of the car. Well, it happened in December. But get out of the car. Um, undo your seatbelt, but he wanted him to keep his hands in the air. So which one do you want him to do? You can't undo your seatbelt and keep your hands in the air at the same time. You can't, it's not physically possible. It's the, it's the point that they go from naught to 100 so quickly. That is what needs to be addressed. They need training with that shit. That's the point. That's that. Yeah, exactly. Auntie Nana, do you have anything to add or go to the comments? Okay, um, I'll start with hellos to everybody. Um, and Nicola, no, that's not Nicola. So we have Yafa says, I am so absolutely miffed by, pe uh, by people saying Micaiah deserves to be shot. I hope it will come out that she was being harassed several days before this. So damn disgusted. Um, and Nicholas says, what is scary is the way we are speaking about shooting or killing each other. It is just passing annoyance, like, as if it's in passing annoyance in today's society. Imagine killing this young lady in the eyes of the media pundits like Envy and, and Lemon is seen as justified. Then they move on to the next story. We are fucked as a species. That is something that I did want to pick up on because it wasn't just Envy that had this whole thing of, but if that was your daughter who was about to be stabbed, you would want the police officer to do what he did. And I absolutely would not want that because a stabbing is not the same as somebody being shot four times. What I would want in that situation, the police are there and they stop my daughter getting stabbed and they arrest the person that was attempting to stab stab her. That's all I would want. I would definitely not be like my daughter's life or her her danger should result in somebody else dying. Like I would I can't even see how that's like the equation fits that because of my daughter may have got sliced wherever, got stabbed in her arm, da -da -da -da, another person must die. They're not the same. No, that's the thing. It's not the same. Um it's not the same. I don't know. We are fucked in that respect, and it's just too easy to explain it away when it when there's just a little modicum, like a marder, a mut, sorry, a margin of um, doubt to be implicated. The thing is, as well, let's not forget there was a case recently 
where there was this, I think a boy who was suffering from mental health il illness and um, in America. And I think his mother called the police for help or called for an ambulance and the police showed up and they shot him dead. They shot him dead. I think he might have had like a button. I can't remember what he had, but he had something. And they shot him dead. And his mother was standing there pleading, explaining to them that she had called the police and she had called for help. So all these people, all these people that are coming now and saying, but they heard, she had a weapon. What about in cases like that? It is the police's job when they arrive on the scene to ascertain what is going on and try to de-escalate the situation before they go for their fucking weapons and start killing people. That's what their job is supposed to be. Otherwise, there'd be a whole bunch of white people dead too, and that ain't happening. That's the thing. Auntie Nana, what have you heard? Okay, so this has been a week for our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. Um, so basically, there's been two revelations that have come out about Boris Johnson over the last week. The first one started from his best friend, old ex-best friend, Dominic Cummings, who was like um, Boris's closest aide until last year when um, he left. Uh, he resigned, I think it was, that he resigned. But basically what he did was he released, he released some... Um, rumours about Boris saying that Boris once came to him with a possibly illegal plan for Tory donors to pay for the renovations of his flat in Downing Street. Obviously, Boris denied this. Then Dominic came back to say that he could release other text messages between Boris and other people that could lead to other dubious things that Boris has been up to and said that he is questioning his competence and his integrity. Further down the line in the week, other people came forward and said that last year, October, Boris was heard swearing about a possible lockdown and saying he would not have it and he doesn't care if the bodies pile up in the hospitals. Again, Boris has denied this. Now, with all of these accusations coming forward and him denying it, Labour has now said that they think that the PM is lying over the flat um, renovations. And also they want other people to come forward to corroborate the stories that he was seen talking about the um, the possible lockdown happening and he didn't want it to happen and he didn't care how many people died. What do you ladies think? Do you think the time is nigh for the old Borister. Can he survive these barrages of um, questions on his integrity, especially in the wake of the affair as well? Like, do you think Boris has much longer? Auntie Farah. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> ah, I mean, how many months have we been saying that Boris ain't going to last a year? It's just what it's what's going to be the thing that tips him over the edge to resign. It's possibly this. Anyone that is shocked about him making all these statements clearly has not been watching this man's career. Like, can you really be shocked by the fact that he's told lies and that he's got caught out about it? Does no one remember his advert on the bus? <laughs> like, during Brexit? Does no one remember any of these things? Does no one remember him saying to us, you can have Christmas? No, you can't. Does no one remember him saying any of this shit? Who can be truly shocked? The man has had 
multiple affairs. He has multiple children. He lies multiple times about it. How can you be shocked in 2021, whatever the bloody decade, year, month, year it is? It feels like a decade. But how can you be how can you be surprised by anything he says? I'm not surprised. I'm not even surprised that his old buddy's coming out and saying shit because he probably wants to be PM next. That's what they do. They turn on each other before they then take their place in the chair. So I'm not surprised. Boris has got a couple of months left and then he's out. Shade, Auntie Shade. Yeah, well, that that comment about the the bodies can rise high in their thousands, that's, that sounds like something Boris would say, in my opinion. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I, I think he said it. Um, but to me, like, this is just pantomime, really and truly. It's just like, okay, they've decided who's going to get power next, and this is how they're going to play it out in the press to make sure that they're, you know, getting... Uh, whatever, you know, what do you call it? Like whatever companies that they they have interest in, do you know what I mean? Uh, whether that's like in press or, you know, these different industries where we're seeing that, I, I don't who was the other guy the other day that was, has ties to like an NHS supplying business or something. Um, do you know what I mean? He's just gonna make sure that all of his friends are taken care, care of and then he's gonna bounce. I think he's trying to, he, he's been trying to bounce for a minute as far as I'm concerned, like, He's not interested. He's he's he he's done what he needed to do. Um, now, if things mess up, he doesn't want it to be on his plate. It's someone else's. It's someone else's problem. And then, actually, actually, you know what? It's actually a perfect strategy for the Tory party. If you think about it, it's because it's like David Cameron was the first one to bring in Brexit, right? Um, was he the first one to bring in Brexit? Yeah, I think he was. And then referendum. He, yeah, he called he called in a referendum out of nowhere. Do you know what I mean? And then it kind of got uh, negative press, so he dipped out. Theresa May came in, kind of thing. What was her big thing? Can't remember what her big thing was, but she she tried to push. Oh, she tried to get the deal done, kind of thing. Didn't happen, so she was just like, okay, to protect the party, I'm gonna call back in John Johnson, Boris Johnson. Do you know what I mean? COVID happens. Now it's just like, it's getting all a bit titchy. We don't actually know if we're going to come out in June 21st or not. So he's like, before that happens, I'm going to bounce. The party is still protected. So as far as I'm concerned, it's all a strategy. Um, I think that he's more than more than planned this out. Dominic Cummins is probably part of it. And I think that he's going to be a presenter on the new right wing TV show, radio show, <laughs> TV show, when it comes over here. I think that's that's my prediction of what's going to happen. He's going to have a, a, a kind of like a corner, what do you call it? Like a, a cornerstone show or whatever. Like he's going to be one of those pundits, people. Um, I, uh, it's, this is all pantomime. I barely paid attention because I don't care anymore. And the only, actually, you know what I care about? Who will sit in this hot seat because Labour's shit. Keir Starmer's shit. We don't have any other um, groups to, um, that are even um, marginally better than Conservatives. So I'm more concerned about who's going to sit in the hot seat next. We literally have no leadership in the UK. Barely did it anyway, but at least someone who's seemingly going to make a difference. People are now kind of, Labour's kind of turning around saying, well, what about Jeremy Corbyn again then? Um, after all that you've done to him. So, um, you know, it's just a shit show at the top. I don't care. I, I, no, I do care, but I'm past caring because this just a as, as Auntie Trump said, it's a big 
pantomime, all this, oh, now I'm going to release this news on my former best friend. It's all um, antics just to exactly position yourselves to get voted in and then people are going to take sides and then you're going to have more people coming out. When they've decided they've done with you, that's when, sorry, that's when um, they then start to bring all these things out that they all knew. You all knew these stuff. You all knew what was true. You all had all the secrets piled up in your arsenal, ready to release. And probably Trump knows, I mean, Trump, look at me, Trump, Freudian slip. Um, Boris knows, that, okay, on the 30th of April, 2021, that's when all these stories are going to get released about me. And then I'm slowly going to dress back into my um, existence and yes, find a little cornerstone. Is it, if it's a, a TV show, is it just write a thousand books and do loads of tours talking about my life as a, a British prime minister, all that type of shit, keep making money. And then the next um, puppet will sit in the chair. I, I, it's, it's really hard sometimes to engage in sensible conversations about these people when you know it's just a freaking game. So I, I actually get mad with even the energy we spend having to be engaged in it. It just, it, it's draining and it's stupid. You guys are all stupid. Cummings, you're stupid. It's all dumb. Like, what are you doing? And I don't know. Um, yeah, and usually, yeah, is Cummings going to be the next prime minister or start positioning himself as some sort of shadow? I don't know what the hell. What was his role before? Was he shadow secretary? Who was he? No, he was his um, chief advisor. I, chief. I don't think he can no. position himself to be prime minister. I think that would probably be pretty. No, I, I really think she is behind all of this. You think it's her? <laughs> I swear nah, it's pretty. Yeah. Her name's not I on the board. No, no, I think, like, you see how Dominic Cummings said he was standing down because he there was a conflict of interest with Boris's um, fiancé. Is she the fiancé? The baby mother that actually, like... She would give him advice and he wouldn't listen to him. So they 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 were in conflict. And then her best friend is also Bredrins with Preeti. Now, I think that Preeti is like working. She's working on Boris's baby mother to get in there, to get stuff on Boris, destroy all of his links. And then she's going to swoop in in Boris's downfall. And then once he has to go, she's going to be like in the biddings for be like running the conservative party like she'll be like acting and then she's gonna do some shitty shit things to immigrants and then all the white folks are gonna love it so they'll actually like vote her in to be prime minister and then she would have lived her margaret thatcher wildest dreams and she can <laughs> sit as the conservative leader and raise her hand at number 10 i think she is the 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 villain of the piece but she's gonna win the day this country is not ready for an Asian prime minister, an Asian, a female Asian prime minister. It's not ready. As much as Preeti, yeah, is the demon and the devil incarnate, there's too many. Think about when there's vote. We always yeah. think about London because London's multicultural. We think about the cities because it's multicultural. Think about all the places in the UK that vote and vote UK and vote. vote. You, people don't have to vote for her. If he no, steps her, down, okay. if, he, he ste if, yeah, if he steps down, if he steps down, the vote for her. I don't think she's enough mm. friends within the party given all the sh fuckery that she's gone through and she's done other people. I don't, I don't, I don't know if she's got it, man. Her name, her name's not on the list. I would be deputy, but running a show. 
Nah, man, she ain't running. They're not letting her run the show. They're not letting her run the show. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say yeah, a, a good start I'd bet a thousand pounds. Long, long con, pretty in our lifetime is going to be prime minister. The thing I, is, I said this last year. Yeah, I said I did say this last year on the show. I think she'll I think, I'm with you, Nana. I think she's going to make it. I think she'll fall into the seat, but she'll get ousted. I don't think it'll be long. If, yeah. if, if anything happens, it'll be one yeah, of them. What, like a, yeah, like a sitting duck prime minister, and then they're going to get the real one in whilst they work it she, out. Yeah. If she would definitely, if she is, if she manages to convince her party that she's good enough for the seat, right? It is literally they're going to do it so that she can be a slaughter to the, the lamb to the slaughter. They're going to do yeah. it so they can put some next fuckery thing in place, and she will get voted out quickly. If they, if it goes to an election, which the Labour Party will enforce, if she is, because how many times have they done this? If it goes to, if it goes to an election, the country ain't voting her in. They're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, Ken who's like the archetypal white boy. The, 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 come on now. She ain't, but she ain't beating him. Nah, she, she ain't I, I, him. I, think, I think he's never going to get it either. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I he, he ain't going to get it as long as the Conservatives are in play and they've got their own type of person. But I think against Preeti Patel... I don't know, you know, because the thing is, Preeti has already shown that she's, she's willing to sacrifice her own and any kind of brown, any kind of touch of ethnicity, she will sacrifice them. She will push them. She will, she will even push them with her own broom. She doesn't care. <laughs> Seriously, she's going to do it. And I think, that, I think that the UK are very frightened. Who knows why at the moment of being perceived as racist? Like they they, they care about this so much. It's, it's just so strange to me but it has something to do with like managing the commonwealth but they care about it so much so i wouldn't be surprised if she got the opportunity just to show that she was do you know what i mean that the country is is, is very tolerant that that's basically it like on a very selfish um surface kind of uh level hmm. let's, get let's get the comments okay all right, so starting off with um, Nicola says, ladies, Boris is getting ready to leave his job. This is a publicity stunt. Boris planted the seed that he wanted to leave when he said that he was not being paid enough. Victoria says, Auntie Nana is giving, we're not calling her Auntie Preeti, the Preeti, too much credit. I do not think she is that smart. Um, Stephanie says the UK will never vote in a woman as prime minister. Uh, and she also, yeah, also says I will be very shocked if they do. And Nicola says if she was Muslim, I would agree with, um, with Auntie Farah, but she does not have that kind of leverage in her community for British politics. I don't think so. I, I think she's gonna, she's coming in. Boy, let's just see. I, I just think it's going to be a very difficult situation. But who's that man? I always forget his name. There's an Asian guy that is on one of on one of um, Boris's top team. What's his name again? Oh, Rishi. Um, Rishi. Yeah. Rishi. Maybe that's him. He's, he's got more chance because at least he's a man. He's no. got the chancellor. Nah, he's Isn't he the chancellor. He's the chancellor. He's the chancellor. The chancellor. He's, insane, man. he's not. He's not. Yeah. He's not going on TV and saying 
that Black Lives Matter are <laughs> basically a terrorist organization. <laughs> Preeti don't give a <laughs> shit. She don't care. She don't I'm care. <laughs> Seriously, she's ruthless. I, that's what they love. That's what they love about, like, do you know what I mean? Like, all the female prime ministers that we've had, do you know what I mean? They have been ruthless. Do you know what I mean? And they've all been conservative. So... Nah, I, I think I think she's got I think she's got more than a chance actually now. I'm even more convinced that it's a it's a real possibility. The only other person I can think that can step in is who's the that the epic liar that actually not even he's not even a good liar. Is it Dominic Hayes? Is it him? Or there's another guy. I can't remember his name. Anyway. I know who you're talking about. I think he is another Dominic as well, but he yeah. lies. Constantly like, on, like, on holding the lie, smiling <laughs> through the lie, like yeah. Do you know what I mean? He he would probably be. Do you know what I mean? It would probably be, be between them two. I think. We shall see, Auntie Farah. What have you heard? Auntie Farah, are you still there? I think she's frozen. <laughs> I was on mute. Can you? You hear me, okay. Jimmy? What's going you're on? Right. You were muted. Go ahead. What have you heard? Okay. So my about the rapper, in inverted commas, um, Blueface, and the fact that he's being accused of giving us early R. Kelly vibes. Um, the video surfaced that he allegedly put out himself while he's in a video walking around. And in his house, he's got, like, women in different rooms, like, dormitory style, in bunk beds, and um, he's saying to these women, are you going to get my face tattooed on you, or my face or my name tattooed on you today? And if you don't, you're going to go home. Now, these women have been in his house and he's been doing various different things with them. He's made them fight. They did a stripper fight. He does all this sort of things. He's come out and he said, I'm not sleeping with any of these women. I'm offering them a second chance opportunity <laughs> to make something of themselves. I'm not making any money off of them but he's making money by releasing the videos on his OnlyFans page. So my question is to you guys, do you think he is the next R. Kelly? Do you think that OnlyFans need to make shit like this a little bit more? Um, and do you think that people should really be making jokes about it? Because the internet's been going a bit far. Oh, he's the next R. Kelly. I don't think it's funny. Um. I saw the foolishness and was like, what the hell is going on? How can he... Why? Well, I, I'm not surprised that people are making jokes about it because that's what people do. Um, everything's funny. Everything's up for jokes these days. And um, what was what immediately I went to was the, vulner the vulnerability of the girls involved and the exploitation of these girls involved, or even if they're grown or whatever. I don't know what the age range is of these young girls or whatever but it's the vulnerability and why they feel that this is a solution or a way out. If, or, or also, I don't know the full story, are they even being R. kelly in that in that sense? Are they being abused? Are they being held against their will? Are they making conscious decisions? Because we have to also look at that. Is it immediately a situation where these guys are being held against their will? What's the situation there? Um, are they being, being exploited? I need to know more of the story because first instance, this is foolishness. If this was my daughter, I'd drag her by her skin out of that place. Like, are you mad getting tattoos? And to what end? And what, are the, what is a tattoo? His logo? His name? What is it? What do they get tattooed onto her name? Or is it because they it's pick his a star? Name. It's, it's his, his name. name. Okay. 
because you're being branded for someone that, and then so and it, Auntie Shadow. Sorry, caught me unawares then. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not down with the whole branding thing. Of course, like it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit much. Um, but I just think it just it, it's kind of like an example of how desperate people are to either find some sort of stability, some sort of belonging, and some sort of fame as well, kind of thing. There is like this, you know, people will do anything for this. However, um, you speaking about it earlier, <laughs> like I was thinking that you know the equivalent would would have been like the Playboy Bunny House. Do you know what I mean? Like, are people just really annoyed at this because, you know, they're black? Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Or it seems like ghetto or whatever kind of thing. But the Playboy Bunny mansion was kind of, maybe without the tattooing, but definitely the Playboy Bunnies lived together. They all had to date Hef. Um, Hugh, sorry, Hugh Hefner, yeah. Um, and, you know, they had to... They had to perform certain duties and stuff and everything like that. But that, you know, at, at some points that was seen as like really glamorous, desirable, sexy, all that kind of stuff. Um, not to say that I'm not saying that it necessarily is, but I'm just saying like it's, it's kind of like a bit and maybe a little bit of a double standard. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely not for me. I don't, I don't know, man. I feel sorry. I feel sorry for them because I just think like everything lives on the Internet nowadays. Do you know what I mean? Like someone's going to find this when, you know, when you kind of maybe come to your senses, don't want to do it anymore. Um, someone's going to find a clip. And he's definitely explaining them. It's basically pimping, isn't it? Basically. Do you know what I mean? Maybe he's not having sex with them, but he's, 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 he's manipulating and taking advantage of them in other ways. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a form of pimping, really. I I feel like OnlyFans. I didn't know that, that, that not being on OnlyFans. I didn't know this is something you could do. Like you can produce a show. I guess yeah. So he's producing a show, and some things are X-rated. So he's put it on OnlyFans, and people are subscribing to it, and that's how I guess they're all making money. But that's like, shouldn't OnlyFans be the ones? kind of stepping in to really check on the women like is that actually fair because he's it's his channel he's controlling it they could all be getting paid ten dollars a day like so I, I feel like only fans should step in and really look into if this is like just a new way of pimping out girls like and you've kind of made it into some backyard um production company and yeah, a new a, a new way of doing like making a making the band or something, but they're strippers. It's really straight. But then actually thinking about it, isn't that the same type of thing that Jocelyn Hernandez's I was show just is? I gonna say it's that the same, yeah. actually the same show. It's strippers. Yeah. She gives you an opportunity to kind of get out of the hood, but you need to strip. They fight each other. Yeah, yeah. I guess this is just a new. You know, um, Real Housewives of Atlanta, just with strippers, like and tattoos, and, and tattoos. I, 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 don't, I don't even know. I'm at a loss as to what's going on in the world. But the women, from what I've seen on social media, they all seem to be like, it's not like our Kelly. We are not groomed. He's not our man. We're making shows. This is this is for entertainment. So 
But as you say, if they're making money off it, then cool. It, I mean, cool until let's have let's all of them have a lot of a sense check, a mental health check. Let's check that they've all got their capabilities about them and they understand what the situation is. Let's check if they've got contracts signed where they're bound and gagged or whatever. Let's have these things in place. And of course, OnlyFans should be responsible for shows like that because if it looks like there's any exploitation going on, as the platform that's making money off this, forget what, blue, what's his name? Blue Boy? What's his name? Bluebird? Blue Face? Blue Face? Blue Foot? Whatever the fuck. Um, <laughs> Whatever he's making is, is pittance to what they're making off of this, all this stuff. You know, OnlyFans is thriving, so they need to do their due diligence. Like um, nowadays, porn sites are being told to regulate that what they have, the content they have. This is just an extension of a porn site, really, um, OnlyFans. It's just one step away. So let's just regulate this stuff and make sure these girls are okay. And really make sure these girls are okay. Because that was, my, that was kind of my point, because it's not being regulated. So OnlyFans, they used to be... Um, I think last year they brought it where people couldn't be seen having sex on it um, before you could easily, they could, that was part of OnlyFans, you could do that, but they brought in a new law where they can't do that um, if it could be deemed that they, someone, a member of the public could see them performing these sexual acts. So they brought that in last year. But my point is with this, who knows what's going on in, in this house because it isn't being regulated. There isn't a production team behind it. He's doing it. He's making it. He's making all the money off of it. He's got the girls in his house. Now, with what's her name? Who, what's the woman that you named and they, she's doing the stripper show? Jocelyn. Jocelyn, Jocelyn. Hernandez. Right, there's a whole team behind that and co certain contracts would have had to have been signed. Certain things would have had to have been followed in order for it to be where it is. This is a man on OnlyFans who's making women tattoo themselves. Tattoo or stay home. I just feel like there needs to be some a, a little bit more regulation when some of these platforms pop up. Now, they could all be in there and they could all be like, this isn't my second chance. He said he's not sleeping with them. But R. Kelly said he's not sleeping with a bunch of women and it turned out that he was. He did. <laughs> he did. He did that. So. He did like. And, and also, do you know what, actually, this is the, the auntie kicking in, the mum kicking in. The, the rooms were very messy, extremely messy. <laughs> it was ghetto as hell. Like, like, my what is going on here? Can you tie it with diamonds? There were heels everywhere. There was clothes on the floor. Oh, my oh, God. God. The like, looked like they hadn't been changed in, like, I don't know how long. Tidy up your... And why are they on bunk beds? And they were... Because you can't that way. <laughs> what did you say, Auntie Nana? They were packed in very tight. It was like one of those five five dollar a night hostels that they were all shoved into. No, this is not. This is not fun. This is bad behavior. It wasn't glamorous. No. Okay, right. Put it aside. Okay, let's just pretend that they're all happy and willing to be there, and they're all safe, and they're getting a cut from it. Like, isn't isn't it kind of innovative then? to be able to produce a show with no middleman, no production yeah. company. Do you know what I mean? Of that course it is. A hundred percent. However, regulation should be followed. And also, if you're producing things, you need to take care of the well staff. And man clearly ain't taking care of the wealth of your staff. If you're telling people to go and get themselves tattooed, which is a permanent thing, or you have to have it lasered off, you are not taking care of the welfare of your yeah, but staff. Yeah, shows where you can get those... Um, 
what is it, tattoo or something? I can't remember what it's called. I know you can get them removed, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, they, get, they get terrible tattoos. Like, their friends, like, yeah. makes them get a terrible tattoo on their body, kind of thing. And it's what, really like the English show, huh? The, the English show, tattoo fixers. Yeah, no, not fixers. No, it's a show where you take on, you take your friend, your friend. Oh, the Sean Cosby show that's yeah, on Channel you know I mean? MTV. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're equally dumb. <laughs> I'm just saying it's the same it's but the thing is the same when, they show, when they go on that show, they're treated in a certain way. And these girls do not look like they're treated in the same sort of way. As I said, the bed sheets look like they hadn't been changed from since they moved in the house. Have and also isn't it isn't he isn't part of the problem around the video footage is that he's bullying them essentially to get these tattoos. Like is it isn't it isn't it a, a ultimatum? Get the tattoo get or you're tattoo out. or go home. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but Guess it's almost it's like, it's almost like I'm a celebrity. Eat the bugs, or you're going. <laughs> you have to participate. You have to participate. A bug will, will pass through you. You'll shit it out. <laughs> no man, that, I think it's I'm not even now. I'm not trying to wake up the next day. The He's not saying get a henna tattoo. <laughs> Put like one of them, one of them kitty bonds on. I'm saying like get an actual. I don't know. It's just, it's just a lot for me, and I feel like. Only fans need to take a little bit more responsibility when it comes to the content that is out there. That's all. Let's yeah. get the comments. Okay, we have Yafa says, I'm amazed he is still relevant considering he can't even rap. He definitely gives me sex trafficking vibes. I had never even heard of this dude and then saw he was quite popular. But yeah, weird. Um, nee says, ain't enough money in the world that would make me tattoo someone's name on my face. This whole situation sounds so trashy beyond belief. He also goes on to say, in all fairness, he is just following the standard reality TV model. Okay, so put it to our listeners, our watchers, and to you aunties. How much would it take for you to tattoo um, Boris Johnson's name on your neck? Ain't enough money in the world. No. Unless it was followed by Is a Wanker. Boris Johnson's name on your neck, just here. Yeah. How much money would it take? No. How long do I have Let me add, let me add, you've got to wear it at least for you've got to wear it for a year. I'll do it. I can do that for a couple of million, man. Yeah, 100% for a couple of million. I want five. He's a ranker. No, Boris Johnson. You're lucky I don't tell you to add a love heart. No, that's cool. Because if I did it for a couple mil, I have Boris Johnson there. There's no rule saying that on the other side, I can't say is a dickhead. There's no rules. You didn't say that. You said I have to get Boris Johnson on my neck. And you said I can't get anything underneath. There's no rule saying that I can't have an arrow or something pointing in the other direction that explains my point. Exactly, Victoria. They just make up that. Like, uh, uh, no, no, yeah. You know, with this, there's ad cap. You cannot cover it up, and you can't explain to anyone why it's no, there. Hi, I was one of, um, Auntie Nana's high high neck. <laughs> yeah. Do you know you what I mean? There's lots of things that you could do. Yeah, I, I would do it. Yeah, I'm lying. And anyone that think about BJ anyway, so that's cool, isn't it? Why have you got that couple mil? Have you seen my house? <laughs> I, I would do it for a hundred thousand if I'm honest. 
I would. I would. It's not that deep. I would have his name. It's a year. Nee, come and collect your wife, please. Yeah, well, come and get a hundred thousand. You spend that in a minute. You can't even buy a decent house for a hundred grand. No, I mean just that cash. I, I would do it for a quick tattoo on a neck. I think that's nothing. If it was like on my forehead or something, that's different. Yeah. But on my neck, that needs to be more than a hundred grand. You can sit on that hundred grand. Don't touch it. You know the years up. Then in the interest and all that stuff, it's not a lot, but it's more than what you had. It's not a couple mil though. Couple mil. Oh, no, it's not a couple mil. Of course. <laughs> the worst is if you said yes to hundred mil, hundred grand, and then they're like, "Yeah, in this box you could have had five mil," and you said, "No, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be so <scared>. okay. <laughs> Auntie AK, what have you heard? Well, what I have heard is one that um that stepped lightly around because boy. Boy, Boy George, that old school 80s pop singer, has resurfaced. He was on Donovan Ross and I think and he was on Good Morning America. And in amongst his chat about whatever he's promoting, which is probably why he's doing this tour, is that he's come campaigning. He's taken upon himself to campaign on behalf of Ghanaians to recognize um, LGBTQ rights. He has a song in which he sings directly to President Nana Akufor Ado, sorry, me and my English accent. And um the words in the song say, I sing to you, Mr. Nana Akufo Ado. Uh, we've got issues. Let's sing about them. Hear, our, hear my feelings. I can't live without them. Can you hear me, Ghana? We stand beside you to live that dream of being free. Can we be free until you are free? Now, he's singing that because in um, he, say, he was saying that I'm working on a song for the LGBT community in, in Ghana. I'm not sure how he met them or anyone from this community, but this is his um, campaign. And he, because Ghana does not recognize same-sex marriages or civil unions, um, and the Ghanaian criminal code criminalizes unnatural carnal knowledge as sexual intercourse with a person in an unnatural manner or with an animal. And on the 27th of February, our pre um, the Ghanaian president said that same-sex unions would not be legalized, legalized under his tenure. He said it will not be under the presidency of Nana Ado, Dankwa, Akwofo, Ado, that same-sex marriage will be legal, that same-sex marriage will be legalized in Ghana. It will never happen in my time. So um, the plight of the LGBT community in the country has attracted solidarity from Ghana and around the world. And other people have um, stood by this, like One Love the Kubalo, he's a musician. Um, apparently Idris Elba and apparently Naomi Campbell and apparently Virgil Abloh, the designer who gets on my last nerve, has also have also apparently come out and expressed con profound concern in an open letter of support for LGBT people in Ghana. So my question is, What's Boy George's business intervening in Ghanaians' LGBTQ rights? And how, and should it be okay for Westerners to come meddling in other countries' affairs? But also on the flip side, how do LGBTQ rights get resolved without outside intervention, especially if people within the country are being oppressed and in some cases murdered, and they are, themselves are asking for help and attention on the situation? Auntie, who haven't I gone to first? I can't remember. Auntie Shade. Okay. Um. So, 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 what are you asking? Is so, I think it's three questions. First mm -hmm. is what's Boy George's business of himself. Mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of what's his intention. Second is, in general, West. This is one and two. Westerners coming from wherever they are sitting to come and intervene in usually African and Caribbean countries to meddle with their. Mm. governmental rule and then 
with the people from within those countries and those spaces who do want help and are would are, are welcoming outside intervention because their governments aren't hearing them and because they are facing things like death and criminal and um, jail for being gay who do want the help how do how then how do they resolve these issues if we are saying no outside inter intervention yeah so i think it's, it's i think it's complex to be honest um i think that from boy george i think he is i genuinely and i don't necessarily think that this is always enough but i think he has good intentions um, for me, Boy George was probably one of the first gay people that I saw on TV, like period. Do you know what I mean? Like growing up, I don't think there was many. And, um, you know, so I think he, he's always kind of like um, stuck in my mind as like a figure of that community. Um, and I think I think he's, yeah, so I think he's got good intentions. I think that what happens though is like if you, you know, he still has privilege at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? So coming from a very privileged position and like kind of like demanding something of a whole nation of people is just a bit, mm, it doesn't It doesn't necessarily sit well, but I think his intentions are, are good because it's a very, you know, change needs to happen at the end of the day. And, um, and it's not, do you know what I mean? Change is slow. Um, and 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 it's it's difficult for us as well. I think being part of the diaspora because it's just like well, obviously where we live in London. Do you know what I mean? We you know we have every <laughs> almost every race, every language, every kind of sexuality here. Do you know what I mean? And many of us you know will go home and you can't be as free like you are here in your home country or your parents' your country, and that must be you know super super difficult. Um, so I think, uh, I think, yeah, you're balancing a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. Like, he, he, how can I put this? It's, it's a difficult one to speak about as well, because I don't want to speak out of turn, because sometimes I feel like with LGBTQ um, issues, like if you say the wrong thing, then you could be condemned like so quickly. And it's not really an area that I know, I should know more about actually, and I don't. Um, so even that saying that knows that there's just so much more that needs to be done. Um, and I, I honestly think that countries that are in the Commonwealth should generally have the same laws. I don't think, and this goes from, you know, my own home country too, Nigeria, where I think that um, homosexuality is still, yeah, it's still against the law. I think it's penalty by death. I think if you are caught in the act, I think that's the case. Don't totally quote me. Um, and, you know, that's awful as far as I'm concerned. Um, but they're part of the Commonwealth. Like, so that doesn't, it, it confuses me. Like, how are you part of the Commonwealth and allowed to kind of like, you know, have these kind of laws? It should be, you know, you should have general human rights across the Commonwealth if we're going to still all be in this thing. Um, however, I cannot ignore the fact that some of these very extreme views about homosexuality have come from Britain in the first place. Do you know what I mean? And imposed upon the, you know, other land. So it's like you're asking them <laughs> to, to go against what you taught them in the first place. That's conflicting. Do you know what I mean? Um, my last point is as well, 
is that I think that people out of this conversation about sexuality, and this might be, um, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, um, but people often forget that homosexuality was used as a tool to break slaves. And we, and that's why I think that you see, especially in the, more, I think more so in the Caribbean, you hear about this, that kind of thing where it's like such extreme views against it because there is that, that known history that it was used as a weapon, right? So, and, and I think when they're having these, like people just don't, don't explore that as part of the conversation and don't kind of talk about the history of that. Um, and I think it's important um, that they do. That was Sorry, did you say me? Um, okay. I agree with you. Uh, I think the problem is when you have people from Western world seemingly to uh, enforce their um, opinions on a, on a, another country, it's problematic because it leads us down the role of uh, colonization and and like and slavery and all of that stuff. It, it seems to be like, well, what are you doing? Are you coming and telling us again how we should operate? What Boy George maybe should have done. And what people who want to enforce change, because I totally agree that change needs to happen because it shouldn't be a matter of that. Your sexual preference could lead to your death. It shouldn't be like that. Um, so what I feel like George Boy George probably should have done. And, and you're right. I feel like he has good intentions. He should have reached out to the people that he's been speaking to in those countries and got them to join him in his song. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there in these countries who are talented musicians that he could have joined with and and been on the song with and been taking them around the world with him to promote this song and promote this change that he's trying to enforce when there's been other um, political issues throughout the world that's what's happened people have tapped into the people that are actually on the ground working on the ground to, to make the change happen and perhaps that's what boy george needed to do or needs to do um in terms of the commonwealth having all being under the same rule. The problem is, is that the Commonwealth is a voluntary organization. The, the Commonwealth, it, it, it doesn't have any, like the Queen doesn't have any real, um, what's the word? She doesn't have any real uh, say over what happens within the Commonwealth, because it's all independent countries that have joined this organization in order to do certain things together but they've all got their they're, they're all independent and they all have their own laws laws and they all have the, they all manage their own way so i don't think that they could join together and have the same sort of laws um it's not like the un or the you know where people say they're going to do this and that's how it's going to happen eu or whatever it is it's, it's, it's not a similar sort of scenario but um I, I I mean I just I don't know what else to say. I think that a lot of countries need to look at the history of it, and you're absolutely right. It's definitely definitely frowned upon in a lot of countries in the West Indies, in the Caribbean. If you get found doing things, you can get kicked out. You can get sent to jail. Lots of different things can happen to you if you're found out. I don't know about the death penalty. I'm not too sure about that, but I know that it's very very frowned upon in many countries, and it is as you say it. it ties back to slavery and slaves being broken because of it so but I think in this day and age people need to look at it and maybe help does need to come from outside but it's how they help them rather than sitting in the western world singing to people in other countries maybe go there 
and and work on the ground with the people who are doing the work there that might be able to push things forward a bit more and then you won't be seen as um chatting from a ivory tower so to speak auntie nana I was disappointed with Boy George. Um, it's the centering, and you've all said it, it's the centering of himself in this and being like he has a message for the Ghanaian president. I find that highly problematic. And I would have thought that he was a little bit more knowledgeable on the white saviour complex and would also just have a little bit more sense to not centre he has a message to give to a whole African country. I've just scrolled through his Instagram and looked at a few of his tweets. And I, I, there's no mention ever in the last two, three years of caring about black lives. So why is it that we're now, you care about a black gay life? Like, so not all black people matter. Like you, he's just never put himself into that space. So I get that he's a gay rights activist and he has been for many years, and there are going to be activists in Ghana who should have been sitting on the couch with him on Jonathan Ross. I also think it's quite interesting that the media is really jumping on this at this moment with there being this real problem in Ghana in regards to gay issues when the country seems to be going through a shift of stability. And we see this happening in Africa way too often similarly happened with Uganda and it's not to say and Zimbabwe it's not to say that there isn't an issue there and people aren't dealing with it on the ground but once there's this glaring world view that this is really really bad in the country but you don't have the same glaring view on the west pillaging all the resources and keeping these African countries in in debt you don't have the same glaring stare at the millions that are affected by severe poverty because of what the West is doing, but you do seem to have real empathy for people who may be caught having sexual acts and going to prison. But the millions of people that are dying through poverty, that, that doesn't seem to carry the same type of empathy. And I think that's that, to me, it has nothing really to do with um, the the gay agenda so to speak that people come with it's more I find it more problematic that there is this there, there is this like holding on to the African problem when it comes to the LGBTQ community but there doesn't seem to be the same focus on this real problem that affects millions of people daily on the west and what they're doing to Africa that it should all have the same vim and it's annoying it, it, it's an. It, I, I just found it annoying in the way that these two white men were sitting there speaking about Ghana, with no black people there, no Ghanaians on the sitting with them to talk about what they have gone through. Yeah, it, it just reeks of an agenda, and what whatever the fallout is, the fallout is. But I, I'm, I don't like in the same way that I. I I don't like it that people can't speak on racism. I don't like it that people can't speak on what is happening in the world and how black how black people can't seem to like talk to the LGBTQ community and have a frank 
conversation about, I don't understand your point of view on this. Like, can it be explained? Or I disagree with this without it being like you're homophobic. And it's like, there's no fear in it. It's a lack of understanding. There needs to be dialogue. Like we need to be able to speak on issues, disagree and talk about it, frankly. And we definitely don't need one-sided campaigns railing against a country that it needs to change because it wasn't too long ago that it was illegal in this country. It wasn't too long ago that it was illegal in America. It was just the 1970s. So really, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's not okay to kind of be like, this is archaic. I think it's flipping archaic that we're still dealing with racism. How about that? Like, really, like, let's get that sorted. Yeah, yeah you're I'm, right. I mean, even if it's, sorry, I was just going to say, even when you think about uh, uh, gay marriages, that's, not, that's only been legal in this country and it's only legal in certain states in America as well. It's not legal everywhere, as far as I know. So mm. people tend to forget to shine the light at home. They focus elsewhere. And that's part of my issue. As you said, as we all said, if he was sat with somebody or he had someone from that actual community with him going through this, I think he would have got a lot more respect than just him sitting there singing to the president on his own. Yeah, exactly how exactly what you said, um, Auntie Nana, is where I was coming from from it, because... And I said it was it's reluctance. I think we even discussed it, how to approach this conversation without coming off homophobic and then sitting in that very lazy stereotype um, of um, the gay agenda. And uh, it's, it's, it's very, so it makes you nervous to kind of talk about it. Same, similarly talking about the, com the conversation about Jewish people and stuff like that, how to explore those kind of sensitive discussions. And it shouldn't be, we should be able to ask, questions and get answers without being accused of anything if you're being coming from an open and honest space i immediately felt that kind of pushback from boy george white where have you been all this time and maybe you advocate for lgbtq rights in your space and in your world i don't see you i haven't seen you for a while not that i'm watching what you do as um, as, as a, a celebrity but exactly that i haven't seen you pop up in any other rights i haven't i don't know if you did the black square thing i don't know what else you're doing so why are you coming out? And part of me felt like, do you need attention? Because it's very easy to pick up on a, a cause to bring yourself back in the limelight if you're if you're if you want that attention as well. Is if you know you're an 80s pop singer, I don't know how you haven't had a hit for a while. I don't actually know what you're doing. So are you using this as well just to get attention? And I don't mean it doesn't mean to say that you don't mean what you say because you are from the community, so you would want to advocate. But it's just I do get irritated when you come from your land over there to come tell black people what to do in their country like mind your business and unless you can provide the evidence the emails the letters the conversations that you've had with someone in ghana that has said please boy george please you of all people you are the man that i want to come and fight for me i don't even understand I don't, it doesn't even i don't know i mean i can't say that didn't happen but who called you who from ghana called you to come and help um I and just, again I'm, I'm not undermining that um i'm not undermining his intention because I don't know him like that, but I just don't like the idea of it because it is the fact for me, you guys had your laws. Everything was imposed on Africa and Caribbean. Everything was imposed. We don't know who we are without that, that, that intervention of slavery and colonialism. We don't know who we are essentially. Whatever culture we built on the back of that is what we've had to do. As, as we've said before, black people are survivalists. We adapt to any situation and we thrive and we survive, but we don't know who we would have been without this dutty intervention in our history. So, but you guys brought this and we have, there is evidence of, um, it looks like homosexual relationships and stuff pre 
colonization and slavery in a natural environment. And we also don't have those stigmas where men can hold hands in our country. And it's not a thing. It's only because of the refocusing and the shifting gaze and the illegal, illegal um, laws, the laws enforced to say this is illegal, that then now people in our home countries are looking at this type of behavior as wrong, where we, we, we had a different type of perspective on how we lived and existed, right, before you guys imposed your shit. So then to act like, oh, well, you guys are so bad and call, you know, all the things that they throw at Africa and especially like the dictatorships, the, the barbarianism, but yet the world that we live in, the Western world, the world is how the world is today because of Western barbarians, right? Everything, the crime, the levels, all the stuff that we talk about is from Western implication, actually. We're all suffering under Western implication. White men rule the world, don't they? So I just I just think everyone needs to take time and not feel like they can bring their privilege and start telling people what to do. And I do think it has to be at the behest of people in the countries that you're reckoning you're coming to um, decolonize whatever um, issues they have. Let them say that we specifically ask for your help and do it like that and make sure you're you're within the people, not you leading the people, because it's so self-righteous, I think. It's just... Can I throw, can I throw something in? Um, like, say, what if... But I think that the thing I have at the moment is, like, had he not said something, had he not created this song, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rightly or wrongly, but we wouldn't be having this discussion. And I do think, like, you know, that intersexuality, sectionality, sorry, my words, um, do you know what I mean? We don't, I don't think we, uh, we, we, we discuss that very much. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I think it does highlight, and maybe I don't think that that was his intention, do you know what I mean? But I think it does highlight something within our community that we're not having you know, these conversations, even within ourselves, right? So outside anyone LGBTQ kind of thing, we're not having those conversations enough um, to kind of like, yeah, just to discuss things. And like, he, you know, he started a dialogue, like literally. I think- so I, think there's I, I think there is some benefit there. I think- I, I think there's benefit there. But my thing is, I think there's benefit there. But my thing is, why did he choose Ghana? And the reason why I'm saying that is because there are several continents throughout the world, continents, some of them are Western continents, like we've said, where certain behaviour, you know, sexual preferences are illegal. Why did he choose Ghana? That's what I'd like to know. Why didn't he choose some of the other? Or if you're highlighting that you're trying to stop this and you're trying to make it equal for everybody, why are you not highlighting let's make it equal throughout the world? I, I, I those are the bits yeah, that I don't get. I why why do you pick Ghana? I think there's been a lot of like press with Ghana recently, the year of yeah. return. Do you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. been like like you know, such a focus. And I think it it kind of is almost to a certain extent, and I don't mean this in a negative way at all, but it's almost like low-hanging fruit. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's kind of like, okay, this this country is almost like ready for the picking. We can we can we can potentially solve this here. So I'm not, and I'm not against that. Do you know what I mean? Because I think if you were to solve the 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 issues with LGBTQ in Ghana, that it would be that would be a great example for countries like Nigeria, where actually it's it's kind of you know not to oppression Olympics or that kind of thing, but it's is 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 it seems to be much worse. Do you know what I mean? Like they seem to be much further further back in terms of like 
uh, acceptance than, than than they are in Ghana. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like mm. I, I think it's um, yeah. So I'm I'm not against it. That kind of thing. Like sometimes the messenger isn't great. It's not about the but it's not about the messenger. I don't know. That's that's mm. I'm, I'm kind of thing. because of the, the the like I don't feel this. I don't know how to explain it, but I don't. I think it's like such a big issue. Do you know what I mean? That I want as many people as possible talking about it. So if that includes Boy George, yeah, I think I'm okay. It's not that he can't talk about it. It's that he's centering himself. And definitely I do think that, I think he, a, a shift happened about a year ago. And then there was more kind of paraphernalia going out in Ghana and offices being open for, um, gay rights and and actually like uh, seeking kind of counsel and we're going to fight against it there was like a real movement that took place to actually really make some type of equality shifts happen in Ghana the more westerners that went over there but also because there was more westerners going over to Ghana there was a real problem with sexual tourism and a lot of different types of homosexual tour it was not like Thailand, but it was turning into a bit of a problem. And so with that, those are two different things. And people seem to mix them up, like prostitution and how people are exploited and how the hotels are running is very different to somebody having a homosexual relationship at all wanting marriage. But it seems like once tourism goes into a place and that, that scene of sexuality seems to explode, then it turns into the country should be open to to rights. And it's like those are two separate things taking place as the country shifts and becomes more open to different types of people coming in. But this, because there are so many prominent Ghanaian celebrities who were then advocating to the to the government to be like, you should do something about this, you should change. To me, it's like Boy George just like jumped on that and saw there's there's press in this there's value in it and I'll just have way more respect for him if he was there with a Ghanaian artist or a Ghanaian um gay rights activist sitting beside him and not him like or I want to know how often he's been to Ghana what dealings he has in there what actual stake do you have in in Ghana actually being more open and fair and equal for gay people like why do why do you care so much I want to know a bit more about that than you peddling your song and it just it just feels like a real opportunist move for a real African issue and sometimes we just have to say it the history is as it is like you there's a colonial past your skin color gives you privilege and sometimes you have to shut up but if you do want to be about the fight and you do want to be a part of the community then you need to have somebody sitting next to you and yeah I, you are i agree i i think it's, it's definitely about what are his ties to ghana and how long does it last because if your song is unsuccessful which is more than likely it would be what else is done how long do you how long is this commitment to freeing the oppression the oppressed gays in ghana how long is it until you turn to another fad you're going to move to another country another island another place when that didn't work out for you it just doesn't seem trustworthy but i get him shedding light and it does i mean it, we've had 
things come up before and decide whether or not to talk about it. For some reason, this is the one that was a trigger to talk about it. So yeah, he served some sort of purpose, but it's what what is really going to be done. And of all the people doing the work already in Ghana specifically, who else could they have spoken to? I just 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 don't I just don't I don't believe that he was contacted. I don't even know who who knows where he is. I don't get it. Or he on the back of the popularity of Ghana, he went to Ghana and thought, oh, I've got a chance here. Let's get the comments. Okay, Victoria says, I think it is problematic to police anyone's sexuality, but sadly, the one thing that the African Union is effective about is implementing anti-sexuality, homosexuality laws. It even unites Africa and the Caribbean. Jokes aside, the reality is that there are Africans that are gay. The criminalization of homosexuality is fueling an underground scene where a lot of people are exposed to a lot of dangers and predatory behavior because of the culture of secrecy. Something has to be done, and I am not sure it is younger Africans who are going to be able to hold African leaders on issues of sexuality. Plus, LGBTQ activists on the continent are largely funded by European organisations if and when Africans address the vulnerability of its gay populations. Outsiders won't have a room. Um, And then Red Border says he should sing and serenade the leader of Iran. They may appreciate it more. He knows not to because they'll kill him. And Yafa says it feels disingenuous that he has a song linked to homosexuality in Ghana. Caucasians stay centering themselves. Uh, Red Border says this is what happens when a Westerner tastes jollof. They get entitled. No more jollof for Boy George. <laughs> I do. I like. I really like what Victoria said. Not like, but um, I appreciate what Victoria said about a lot of the organisations being funded by Western um, LGBTQ organisations, which might be an obvious thing but also that's the train that boy george can ride in on and then jump off of when he's had enough yeah i feel like we should be suspicious of all of these things because we've seen what ngos in africa do and to me it's like i i think it's naive to really think when western dollars focus on an issue within a country and then their charities come along and start advocating that it's really for the people and we could just go on seaspiracy and how that works because you've got all of these organizations that are advocating for the oceans that are also being funded by the people that are destroying the oceans it's like uh, I, I just don't trust them Yeah, it'll be interesting. And imagine this whole conversation. Who, the, the, where's a Ghanaian representative to that we can quote from? Who Boy George spoke with and said, "I sat down with so and so, so and so from Ghana." To then, this is what we're going to do. That's the part that's missing from this whole damn conversation about singing to the president. Um, okay, time for aunties no best. Aunties no best. Auntie's no best. Auntie's no best. Best, 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 best,
My one goes, hi aunties, keep up the good work. I love watching the live stream. I have a dilemma of what I think uh, should be simple, but yet it's keeping me up at night. Ooh. My friends were a couple for eight years. They were batting bench. Um, you never saw, say one name without, sorry, you never say one name without the other. Now they've broken up and one has moved on very quickly, I might add. And um, and it's really hard for me to adjust as the friend of both of them. I know it sounds so stupid, but I feel awkward in social set settings because I don't know who to invite. I've now developed my relationships with each of them, but the big gatherings, but the big gatherings is awkward or is awkward. Um, should I face my front and mind my own business? Auntie, Auntie Nana, sorry, I keep muting myself. <laughs> um, that's a hard one, you know. I'm so glad I haven't been in that situation. Most of my friends, when they've broken up, I've just stuck with my friend and their partner hasn't meant that much to me. But um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I would go with the length of time. When it comes to big... No, no, I wouldn't go with the length of time. If it's a big occasion, and I'm going to go with the one that brings the most joy, the one that's the party person, the most fun, that's the person I'm going to invite. And I'll just alternate who gets to go. Like it, They don't always have to be at the same place. I'll just alternate who's invited. And I'll keep a relationship with both of them. And I'd also try and mind my own business. Auntie Farah. Um, I think I'd invite them both. You know, um, if I'm friends with them both and we've been interacting for the last, what was it, eight years or something, or they were together for eight years or whatever it is, but I'm friends with them both. I've And then once they've broken up, I've maintained relationships with them both. I think to invite one and not the other, that's orcs. I think what I would do if it was my function, I'd have a word with them both and just say, I'm inviting blah, blah, blah. When you come, I beg you, don't have no awkwardness. Just if you if you need to stay away from each other, stay away from each other. But remember, it's not really about you. And if you feel like you can't come, then fair enough. Because I would hate for one of them to find out that I've invited the other one and not them. Because if they're still my friend, they're going to know like, oh, it's my birthday. I didn't get an invite. Or it's my daughter's birthday. I didn't get an invite. Or, you know. They need to be a bit adult about this situation. And if they can't, I've given them the opportunity to bow out nicely. That's what I would do. I think for me, it just starts with um conversation with them both because we're all close, we're all friends, everything's good from, from my side of things. And if I'm close to them, I'd be like, listen, this is coming up. I'm BAFTA's who to invite. Like it's all I think for me, that's I'm always gonna start to have that conversation. And just be like, it's mad. Are you, do you both want to come? Do you feel like, how do you feel? Da, 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 da. Have those conversations and then work it out from there. Because there's no point in you feeling bad in a situation that you could have literally had a conversation. Because you could be sitting there feeling awkward and they're all right. And you know, sometimes you project because it's something that you wouldn't want to, the situation you want to be in yourself, wouldn't want to be in yourself. You're projecting awkwardness where actually they've made peace with it. They've broken up and they just moved on or whatever. And if that guy has moved on, and it's quick, and the other person's feeling kind of some kind of way, then they might actually be like, no, I can't do this, so I'm not going to be there. So I think you have those conversations as and when, according to each in, um, event, that you feel like 
it could be in some sort of line of crossfire. I don't, I don't think it's as deep. I don't think it needs to be that deep. I'm not sure. I'm shadow. Yeah, I'm kind of on like, I don't think, it, I, I don't think it's that deep at all. I think it's just common sense. Like either you go with the one that you click with the most or you invite both of them and just let them both know that I'm inviting both of you. Do you know what I mean? It's just as simple as that. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> Keep it simple, people. Talk, talk, talk. Auntie Farah. Sorry, mute. Okay. Uh, so this came into our inbox. Hey, aunties. I gave birth during the pandemic to my fourth child. This baby wasn't planned at all, and I was on contraception. Everyone is very happy about the baby, as am I, obviously but I haven't actually legally separated from my husband and don't really know how to tell the rest of the family. We've been married, we will, hang on, we will be married coming up to four years. I feel a bit ashamed of the whole situation. I always get questions about my husband and it was easier during lockdown to avoid people, but now we're allowed to see people. The questions are increasing. How do I approach this? Help. What? Auntie Nana. What? So she separated from her husband, had a child with somebody else, but most people don't know that she separated from her husband. Is that what it is? Is that what See, it is? I'm trying to read <laughs> it. It's not clear to... I'm trying to read this. I'm going to read it again, because that's what I'm trying okay. to work out in my head. Is the baby someone else's, or is it your husband's? Let's read it one more time. Hey, aunties, I gave birth during the pandemic to my fourth child. This baby wasn't planned at all, and I was on contraception. Everyone is happy about this baby, as am I, obviously. But I actually, but I have actually legally separated from my husband and don't really know how to tell the rest of the family. We will be married coming up to four years. I feel a bit ashamed of the whole situation. I reckon it's, it's her husband's baby. So then, so yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's your husband's baby. So it's your husband's baby, but you two are no longer together, is what I'm getting. Like, who, I don't, what's the, the shit happens, in it? I don't think anybody is going to think any, think of anything, really. Hold on. Producer Nisi is saying that it's not her husband's baby. It's someone else's baby. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, then they are going to, overall, it really is nobody's business. But I do think you do know you're gonna you're gonna be the talk of the town for a couple of months. No, she's saying really. it's the husband's child. It's the husband's child. The child is her husband's. Can't hear you, Farah. You're, you're on mute. I say then it goes back to the original thing, like you were saying, Auntie yeah. Nana. If it's your husband's yeah. child yeah. and you're not together, nobody cares. That doesn't okay. matter. No, no, nobody's gonna care. Just, just bring up your kids. Like, really, that's not that deep. I feel people would probably care more at the short span of the marriage, four years, than there being a, a child coming in. I think that would probably be spoken about more. But overall, you don't really need to give a, a, a give a hoot and nanny about what other people are thinking anyway. They're gonna chat. It's fine. Just bring up your kids. Auntie Shade. <laughs> I mean, 
it's honestly like people need to stop caring about what other people think like really you'll live such a better life you'll be free and generally more happy if you didn't care about what other people think so yeah this is this is a minor really judy serious super 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 minor <laughs> i again it's it's shit happened and i think people understand i want to know why you were keeping the separation a secret I mean, I get that sometimes. I don't know, actually. No, I guess it's case by case because for whatever reason, you didn't want to tell the family that you guys are splitting up. I, there's so many reasons why that is, is, is a valid reason not to, you know, not to tell your family for whatever reason. So that's what's caused the pressure here because if, you'd be ready, if they all knew, it'd be no big deal, you've moved on. So that's, but there's no, you're not gonna be able to hide the child. So, and, you're not gonna fake this, you're not gonna fake it with this. You have to tell everybody, you have to keep it moving. There's nothing you can do. The child is the evidence that shit has gone left. We are no longer a thing. I've moved on. I've had a whole human being with somebody else and you, I, there's, there's no need. You've got- No, 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 the child's her husband's. They're just separated. So she's embarrassed about the fact that she separated from her husband so soon after having the child. Yeah, just oh, put it in, oh, just okay. put in the family WhatsApp group. Just put it in there. Everyone knows at the same time. You so had face. Oh, they had a lockdown baby, which happens. Yeah. Yes. Look, we were beefing, we were separating. I got pregnant and then I'm going. It's not even embarrassing. It's life. Everyone will like you've got lockdown as the biggest get out clause ever for with and having these situations. How many people have got back with the worst ex ever or settled for some nonsense, had a lockdown baby when they didn't mean to because they were feeling all types of emotional? This is the best excuse. This is the best excuse ever. I was not in my right frame of mind, but we literally, and you can even lie, like we thought we'd get back together during lockdown, realize it wasn't going to work. And I'm moving on. Oh my God, you've got so much reason. So many. Yeah, go on, Auntie Farah, finish up. It's literally not even that deep. Me and my husband had another kid. We're not together no more. Who cares? The ins and outs of how we made the baby, whether or not we were at home bored and I needed my pom-pom scratch that night or we were drinking or whatever the hell, who gives a flipping damn? We had a baby. We're happy about the baby. The baby is a blessing. We are better off being co-parents than we are being together, husband and wife. Job done. You lot don't need to know. There's no need to be embarrassed. What are you embarrassed for? You're, you're not embarrassed of your child. What are you embarrassed for? Your marriage didn't work out. Marriages don't work out all the time. At least you and your husband have hit it in the bud four years in. You haven't gone 40 years in and realised that, hold on, look at this man I'm sat next to. I can't stand him. And then the kids have grown up knowing you can't stand each other. Who cares? That would be more embarrassing. It doesn't matter. You've got a beautiful baby. Crack on. Move on. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Stop, like Auntie Sade said, worrying about what people have got to say because no one ain't giving you no money for um, milk and baby food and nappies. <laughs> no one ain't helping you apart from the husband that you're not with no more. So who cares? Who cares? That, that judgment ain't paying for nappies. You're damn right. That I don't know. Unless her family is one of them people. I don't know what kind of family. What kind of family would make you feel so bad about your decisions in that way? And even it's not then, even so what? Me and my husband slept together. No, I'm just saying. I'm just trying to. Rem I'm just trying to ponder what type of family must you come from that is that they can make you feel that bad about yourself. That is, isn't you made it your yeah. own personal life? What is it? That's where I'm coming from. What type of family? You, you, know, you, you know, there are families that just chat, like they chat each other's business. 
So she probably knows once this gets out, everyone's going to be chatting about it. But really, that's still, it's still a case of who cares and just move on. But another thing, I mean, I don't want to down be a downer on anybody that's written into us, like all love. But I do think when people really go hard on, they care what other people say, it's because they're chatters too. And they know that they've been chatting some shit about people and they know that now shit is going to be spoken about them. Like just put, put put it on your chest and just just move on. Just be like, all right, I'm going to gossip less because I didn't like it when I thought people were going to gossip about me and you'll feel better about yourself. Yeah, right. people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Projection is the worst and that's usually the problem here. Projection. All right. Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. That was the intro to For the Culture, For the Culture, For What the do? Yeah. Thank you, Auntie Farah, for the culture. That was a bit of hip hop. Thank you. Um, for the culture. So I don't know if we're gonna get the two things in. Very, very, very different, but we're just gonna quickly, because we cannot, we cannot ignore what happened on Sunday. First and foremost, our nephew, we've already welcomed to the family, Mr. Daniel Kulua, brought home the Golden Statue, Best Supporting Actor, for his role as Fred Hampton Jr. in Judas and the Black Messiah, the first black actor to do to win this award. He, Good Daniel. Good Daniel. The first Ugandan. And he did it and he <laughs> made all the comments. But also, prior to his win, some footage was released on the socials of Daniel, Damson Idris, Giggs, Dave, Notes, Daniel Sturridge, and Bucky, um, chilling in LA as homies, having fun, talking about who is the CEO of the Dark Skin Society. And, you know, it caught everyone's attention because these are fine young the DSS were exactly what made me think that in, for us old folks, the DSS is the, uh, right? yeah, the um, so, social security, yeah, Department of Social Security for our, us lot. But anyway, the DSS, Dark Skin Society, um, they were just having young, happy, free, successful black man banter in LA. And it was quite a joy to see, but also elicited some very thirsty comments and behaviors. And so I just thought we could ruminate on that, have a celebration of these guys. Um, what were your thoughts when you saw the video? What were your thoughts on Daniel's win? And um, Auntie Child, I know you've got something to say about his speech. And what were your thoughts about who, okay, what are your thoughts about who is the CEO of the DSS? Auntie Farah. Oh, I have so many thoughts and feelings. That video literally warmed my cold heart. <laughs> it made me laugh so much. I think I watched it about four or five times because it was so fun. It just made me laugh. It just made me laugh. I had a man them, they're just walking on the streets and they just like, it just looked like they just bucked up on one another. And then they started this random conversation and there was Uncle Giggs. Can't call him a nephew, sorry. There was Uncle Giggs with them. And it was just like, they drew him in. Giggs, who do you think is it? And he's like, I'm not answering that question. I'm not answering. It's just, it just made me laugh. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I just love to see us winning, really. And I love to see when people are fully embracing each other and respecting each other's talent and just just happy for everybody to win. 
that's what made me happy about that video. I also loved um, the fact that Daniel won the Oscar. I think that is just like the most amazing thing. So there you go, Doctor. I can't even remember what your name is. I wanted to chat shit about people doing your heroes. Umar, I don't think that's it, Doctor Umar. I th I, you know, in your face, bruv. Like, there you go. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. But um, I just, yeah, I just loved it all. It just made me smile a lot. I don't know what else to say about it. And I can't say who's the president or the CEO. The thing is, yeah, if Damson was like maybe like 15 years older, I feel like he could get it. But <laughs> it's like too young. He's like a fetus. <laughs> I've got shoes older than him. <laughs> so I just don't know. I don't know. Auntie. Uh, I, no, no. <laughs> I, I think that Daniel is most definitely the CEO. Like, I just think he just, he holds court. And let's say... Um, intellectually speaking i think he has uncle status like he has a gravitas about him so i think he is the ceo of the dark skin society um followed by like you know um secretary should be like damson and treasurer gigs because he kind of has that kind of i'll look after the money you know as they call him the landlord like there's something about him that i, I see him as like money bags so i think he would he would sit in that position. But that video, I similarly, I watched it so many times with a massive smile on my face, just like, I love it. I loved all of the comments from the Americans for once. Like, they seem to be in real celebration of Black British men. Like, it, it was just nice seeing people being like, oh my God, that one's so nice. And, and yeah, I was just proud of them. I was like, I love this. I love this kind of like... um real joyous occasion that they're all in LA together and they're just like talking in their British accents and Britishing and just yeah being very happy and his win more so than him winning the Oscar I think it's that video afterwards when they're all in the Absolutely suite together and holding the Oscar and, and I was just like oh I just that I just love to see it and I really like Dave so there's like a, there was just something that warmed me that Dave was there. I don't really know why Notes gets all of the hate in the world, but people seem to really not like Notes for some reason. And then they do you see the picture of um Drake had taken them all out to dinner, and I was like, just, even that's, that's my unpopular opinion. We're gonna get there. Okay, <laughs> no, but yeah, seeing Drake out with them all as well, I was just like, oh, look at this, like these guys winning, like just, I'm thinking of like when um the hubby was at identity school and that seemed to be like a real new wave of, of black actors kind of getting good representation, getting good jobs, and then them kind of going to Hollywood and doing well with John Boyega and it's just, uh, yeah, I'm just so proud of them. I love to see it. And it was nice that they were all together as well. Just one thing before Auntie Charlotte goes, sorry, I forgot to mention one of the things that I loved as well was that people were going for Estelle. They were like, Estelle, how dare you be talking about an American boy when you've got all these black men from England, you're holding out on us. And she came back and she was like, firstly, 
these lot were in secondary school when that song came up. And then she said, if you want a nice black man in London, go to West London and South London. I was like, oh, bless her. Yes, South. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I think that, you know what, originally when I heard about the, the, the DSS, um, that was many years ago, and it was actually Bucky that I saw talking about it kind of thing. I think he's the founding member of the UK chapter. Um, however, I think that uh, Damson Idris definitely is CEO at the moment. Um, I don't think anyone can really, really touch him right now. But I'm obviously happy about uh, Daniel's win. Um, I think the whole thing is just like a moment of black excellence, man. Maybe a moment of black British excellence, to be honest. Um, uh, yeah, it was just, it's, it's always great when you see people winning. Um, it's even better when they speak like you, um, <laughs> look like you, do you know what I mean? So yeah, it was it, it, it was definitely great. And it was very entertaining what, reading the comments of people, do you know what I mean, being so goddamn thirsty, man. <laughs> Seriously, it's actually quite hilarious. Um, yeah, and I did notice that Notes was getting backlash as well, kind of thing. I think that's because of his, uh, you know, people were saying, oh, he's spoiling it, him being there. But and that's mainly because of the recent, like, he says some wild stuff. Do you know what I mean? And like, it's because the baby mother stuff. It's because he cheated on his baby mother when she was pregnant. And they're yeah. like, you shouldn't and celebrate it. And he wasn't um, apologetic, really. Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. He was standing in his, and uh, in his ignorance, to be honest, kind of thing. So I think that, um, What's it called? I think, yeah, I think, um, but you know, it's good that, you know, maybe he will learn, do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Not to say that any of the, you know, some of these men have checkered past as well, do you know what I mean? So let's not pretend there. But um, but yeah, man, it was, uh, it, I think we're gonna get influx of uh, American ladies coming over to summer, to, <laughs> in the summertime. However, I think they might be disappointed. <laughs> they don't all look like that. <laughs> They don't all have that kind of money. <laughs> I was going to say, when I was reading it, I was like, yeah, guys, you don't get... But it's the same thing as when we go to America, we feel like they're going to be like, no, babe, it's, you stay where you are. That's why they're saying that to Estelle. Like, and Estelle, she was gracious enough not to say, no, man, you don't know my locals. What dudes we really got around here, so don't even try it. I'm glad she stayed on the high road for that. Um, yeah, and also, likewise, uh, I, I look at them all as the babies, apart from, yes, Giggs and maybe Bucky, they're not the babies. Um, it's just beautiful to see. And uh, yeah, I'm just very, very happy for them. And the co comments were hilarious. I think um, Damson took a picture with, a, um, I can't remember what her name is, some sort of celebrity. She had a green dress on in some picture. And then everyone, you know, all the people that believe doll that they're- something. Yeah, doll something. Not China doll, the other doll. But um, anyway, he was like, okay, I've learned my lesson. Don't take a picture of somebody because then they're automatically your wife. And there are some hilarious memes of people saying, yeah, we warned you this time, Bay. I'm glad you understand, Bay. Thank you. You're embarrassing us. That is, you know, all these type of things just hilarious. And um, I just think it's, yeah, it's just great. And I do, I think I'd say, I think for this generation, because I think they're, they're asking the DSS from before that, you know, there's some of the people from our generation that, would be the elders and the you know maybe former leaders and stuff like that. But for this generation, I do think Daniel's the leader and um, Damson's the whichever role it is that you take in that party when you're the pretty 
the handsome one that everyone really likes. But they know they need the leader, the common sensible one, which is Daniel. But then the little pretty far, like one that's going to be a little bit rebellious. He's the Prince Harry of the community of the thing. I think what it is. That's Damson. So yeah, I just loved it. And um, as Charlie did mention, uh, uh, Daniel's uh, speech where he called out. He thanked. I think he was really nervous, and he thanked. Yeah, he thanked <laughs> the moment that his parents had sex. <laughs> which was freaking hilarious and his mum was so embarrassed like she's like what's he talking about you can literally see his life she went into full african mum mode like yeah. what is he talking about like you know what's not african full black mum because yeah. it, it made me laugh as well because his sister was like i can't even bend my head as quickly yeah. but his sister was just like what did you say bruv and then his mum was like what what's he talking about what's he talking about <laughs> And I just thought, boy, you're going to get beat when this is done. You're going to get licks. I felt for him because I feel like, you know, because he's been so, in my opinion, because I was up there, I was watching and reporting for British Blacklist Live um, the, at the results as they came in. And I just felt like, you know what, he's been on such a brilliant press run and dropping such bars, such gems that in the moment, I bet he had everything he was going to say planned, but in the moment, because in the he it, when he first started to do his thank you, he was like, you can do it. You can do it. So I think he was because he is quite he doesn't I don't know, for whatever reason, doesn't show his emotions like that. I think he was trying to control every type of tear or emotion that was threatening to come out. And in talking himself down, he was trying to find his words and think about all the things that he said. I just can imagine that moment. So in my mind, I can just vividly see it. And then he was trying to think of something witty to say beyond point. And then he was just like, mom, dad, just like anything came out. So just pressure. It was hilarious. Yeah. Um, you're right, and yeah, I did love the scene. Um, end of the speech as well. His whole speech was really great, and then even and e even the fact that he did that, it just made me laugh because I just thought, yeah, look at you, you look a local boy. <laughs> there's a moment when there's another there's another scene where he's hugging um, Fred Hampton Jr., Fred Hampton's yeah. son, and that was a deep soul hug, and that was that's what it was all about. And I think at the end of the clip, when he's with Bucky and um, Dave and notes, no, Dave and Damson in the hotel, um, that. Uh, moment where they're all looking at the statue and, da, 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 and passing it around and talking about it and in the background you hear Daniel say yeah but there's more there's work to be done or there's more to do or what's next and it's that he profound said, he, said, he said the journey is um fuck what did he say oh, I can't remember I wrote it down but he said he said it's about the yeah, something about it being the journey basically yeah, so my, my point is that it's what on. I also loved about that is when he held the Oscar and he said estate living <laughs> it's yeah, like exactly. Yeah, look where you can come from to look where you can go to. Uh, so it's about yeah. so what's it's just the fact that he's not just he remembered not even remember but he brought it back to the point where this is not this is not it's not just this it's there's yeah. more to be done and it's just the beginning and also I, I liked what he, he said what he said kind of said like what what does this mean because after I mean this is another conversation there is a whole thing about awards their validity and yeah I've seen some of the hoteps come forward and talk about. I say hotels, I'm being a bit bad, but then talking about, you know, him winning an award for in Best Supporting Actor for playing Fred Hampton, civil rights leader. And we've talked about the positioning of Judas and the Black Messiah. There's all these things and the politics behind awards and who gets awarded. And even the fact that Chadwick didn't get his um, best posthumous, posthumous um, best actor award, which Heath Ledger did. There's been comparisons to that. All these type of things about the politics behind awards, but it's separating that from the fact that yes, a boy from South, is he from, he's from South, isn't it? From a state that has gone clear and taken one of the top awards, one of the top No, stars. I thought he was from Camden. Is it North? Is he from North? Sorry, one of them ones. Always, I've been claiming him like he was from 
Camden, but no, maybe I he isn't. Like, and I, I feel like that's where he's from. I think you're right, Auntie Nana. Either way, from the ends, and he's done this, and it's, it's and, and he's done it in a way that um is quite prophetic. And I don't mind Drake hosting them. It is what it is. But anyway, can we wait to talk about that? Can that be you look keep talking about this? Like, is it possible for me to get to my point? <laughs> um uh any comments that we can get to? Uh we have Okay, so um, Yafa just added in that they submit people for supporting actor to increase chances of winning. It is such BS. I I, I agree, but I'm happy for him. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, so basically, the, apparently, there's there's one reason that because they both have pretty much equal screen time, Lakeith and Daniel, and then the voters decide whether they feel like it was a supporting role or not. And apparently, when they counted up the odds and weighed up the odds, it was that they were both supporting actors. Um, and that's the problem because they both had kind of like equal story time and it wasn't really clear whose story it was. The technicals of film, I can understand that, but the politics are there. So we have he's, to. Sorry, he's from Camden Town. Just to oh, But Sis, you're not from Camden. What are you talking about? I was brought up in Swiss Cottage. That is like, it's a road away from each other. And then, right. Say nothing. Yeah. So are you from west or north? Northwest is my. Postcode Northwest. I'm a Northwest Londoner okay. who lives in Weezy. London. <laughs> yeah, she's from North Weezy. Where do we yeah. come from? North Weezy. I don't claim North Weezy. I just happen to live here right now. Alrighty. I don't know. Um, do, we do we have time to talk about another thing, or should we save that for another day? I did want to talk about it, but we'll see. Producer, no, let's talk about it. I don't think it's going to be long. All right. Well, at DMX's funeral took place on Saturday. Sending um, his family and people condolences and celebrations and hope that he got the best send up. It looked like he had the greatest send off. But the thing that stood out for me was Swiss Beats. Um, when in his uh, his speech slash celebration or, mem or memory of what's the word? What do you do when you do that? Memoriam, whatever of DMX. He said he called out the people that weren't there in his life who were there in his death, which always happens. So I feel like that's nothing surprising. That always happens. But what he did make a point to say is, do your will. Um, have you done your will? Make sure you do your will because too many times we see people scrapping over the bits behind because the wall hasn't been put in place. So I just wanted to quickly go around and say, have we? Have you sorted out your will? Do you talk about, do you feel like it's a problem within our community that we don't do our wills in good time? Is it something that I should be implemented or taught from an early age? I feel like it should. Um, and just to talk about your wills quickly. Auntie Nana. I do not have a will. Every year I say I'm going to sort out a will. I do have, shouldn't even say it, but I have insurances. But um, another kind of off tell from that was I was reading lots of people talking about, actually, they always push this thing of a will and not trusts that wills actually like benefit governments because you have to go through probate and they take so much of your money in a will whereas if you was actually setting up trusts for your families they would have the money there and it doesn't need so your trust in effect it is more beneficial to your family than having your estate in your name and then you die and then it all gets divvied up in a will so I was like that was an interesting it was good that the conversation was even being had because I hadn't really thought about trusts in that way. And so, yeah, I, I don't know if, I don't know, listening to it, I don't really like it at funerals when people 
use that platform to tell people off. I, it really, it, it made my armpits itch. Like I just, it, I really got incom- uncomfortable, but I do think it was very valid. Everything he said, I agreed with, but it just felt weird. I just don't like it. I've been to too many funerals and people get up there and kind of tell everybody off at that moment. But, you know, everything that Swiss brought up is valid and we should be thinking about um, our legacies and how we sort out our affairs once we pass. Auntie Shadow. Um, yeah, I think, um, what do you call it? You should definitely, yeah, I mean, like, I agree. I think you should definitely get your affairs in order. Uh, but at the same time, I'm trying to live forever, you know, so... I don't know. I'm trying to get cloned. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go down that path. I don't think I'm going to accept that reality. That's that's, that's my position. Is, is that how you take... Because I feel like for ages, that's how my mum processed when we would talk about her will. Mm. She'd always be like, oh, so you think I'm going to die like next week type of thing. And it was like, no, talking about death, <laughs> doesn't bring it on like I, I really I don't think there's that law of attraction type <laughs> thing I think as black yeah. people though we have this you're putting mouth on me type situation yeah like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's weird. Um, I, will. I don't have a will I've been saying for donkeys that I need to get one in place and I actually thought to myself the other day if my accident had been a bit worse I need to sort some things out so I don't have a will. I have got insurance, you know, and beneficiaries and all that stuff. But I don't have a will. And I need to have a will. So we'll sort one out. I like the idea of the trust, Auntie Nana. That's a good look. Because, yeah, it kind of cuts out some of the bullshit. So I think I'll look into that as well. Um, That's why um, you shouldn't be in here, little girl. Sorry. Oh. Um, same. I, 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 it's definitely the tradition, the superstitious black cultural side of us and again i'm being talking about us not anybody else but to speak about death is quite taboo or it, it's like it's putting mouth for me if we talk about death today you're going to literally drop dead tomorrow and it's like you're setting it in stone your end date so but if you do have dependence and you have stuff that you don't want to end up in government control then it's something that you need to do and i do think it should be something that's taught i always remember my mum having the insurance man sitting in the front room it felt like a very 80s, 90s thing that you'd always have some white man come knock on the door and then take out all these folders and have this conversation with your mum about insurance and stuff. And it never really resonated. And I know I've got insurance in some way, shape or form, but I'm very financially illiterate. I, 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 I am the poster child for not really getting all of this stuff. And I am the poster child for if this was taught in schools in a way that was embedded into how we live in as adults, I welcome it all day long because... I'm, I'm, I think, especially if you grow up in a situation where you, not in, not in, not in any type of way, but if you're, if you feel like you have parents that talk at you or you're always in trouble or you're being lectured, you can switch off of the things that are important. So my mum used to always be like, save your money, da 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 da, and da da. But those things were always top line lectures from my mum, rather than actually what my mum's saying makes actual sense. But it all got lumped into I'm just being told off and lectured and talked at. So by the time I realised that actually what she's saying was good advice. I've gone too far down the line and it just resonates in my head as well. My mum always told me this, but I didn't listen to it. And unfortunately, as parents, maybe it's a lesson to parents that <laughs> don't lecture your kids like that, especially with life, things that are so important in life. Don't embed them into telling them off because 
it just it can become like a mad kind of defense mechanism that they rebel against not knowing it's to their detriment in the future so it's just having a way of having those conversations with your kids and actually showing them how to do things because it's so easy we'll just save your money well how when it seems like it's so impossible to save or it seems like well go and get insurance well, what do you mean i don't understand you should know about mortgages what you're supposed to have multiple bank accounts huh and what's the difference between a nation um, a building society and a bank account all that i don't up to today i really couldn't explain many things to you you know so i do think as parents that's conversations we have to educate our children with away from it being a lecture and a tell-off it has to be something that I agree with you, but sometimes, like you said, we don't know ourselves. So I think no, exactly. there needs to be a system in place. Like, you know, like but now you have to pay, if you're working, you have to pay into a pension. You, you've got no choice. Like it just automatically goes into this pension, right? So your boss has to do it. You have to do it. It goes into this thing. And, you know, like even when it comes to being a donor, you have to opt out of being a donor if you don't want to do it. I feel like there should be certain legislation rules and laws and all of that stuff where you have to have a will, you have to do these things. So that is put in place because it will force you to look at what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Because unfortunately, as we've all said, it's just that thing of I'm not going to talk about it because I'm putting mouth on myself. And look, I've been saying for decades I need to go and do it and I haven't done it yet because unfortunately, pardon the pun, life gets in the way and you forget to take care of what happens when you're gone. So. It needs to be a rule. Yeah, man. And that was that. Do we have any um more comments? Uh, no. I was going to ask, um, is, is, is there anything that, <laughs> no, maybe this is too troublesome. Is there anything that you own that in your passing, there's people in your family that you don't, that's, I can't ask this question, that you feel like they shouldn't have it, like they can't have their hands on it. Like if they were to be like, yes, I know they wanted me to have it. Is there anyone that, I think that's too, I can't, I don't think you can answer that. I, I, I would answer. <laughs> I don't have anything. <laughs> I have got shit. I almost want something to have this story. Like when I pass, do not give my gold star to da da da. Like I really don't have anything. Like it's funny. Not too long ago, me and my sister were talking about it. I, it was after Simone passed, and she was like, "I, I came upstairs." So, so my my sisters converted my mum's upstairs to her workshop space. She's like, I came up there and looked at all the material everywhere and thought, oh, my God, Nana would have to sort all of this out. That would be really sad for her. And she'd either take it home with her or she'd throw it all away. And I was like, yeah, I would throw it all away. I'm not taking all of your shit home with me. But it was just that that thought of all the bits and pieces that you would leave and somebody else has to sort it out. And, yeah, I, but I don't have anything valuable for anybody. They could have whatever they wanted. I'm yeah. not here. That's the thing I do think about, though, like someone because I've had to do it, the sorting out after. That's the bit that's a bit like. Hmm. Orcs. I think I've got one dependent, so my daughter will. Do you know what it is? What would you be offended? OK, like your like your sister saying that um, things would be thrown away. What would you be offended that somebody got rid of that? You really thought that I thought you'd like this. Like if my daughter got rid of my books and my CDs my music, like anything like that, that she knows, especially my print stuff. If she was like, oh, thank God, you get rid of all my print stuff, get rid of all my, I'm looking at my book stuff. She like, might put it in there with you. Because what's she gonna do with it? She might keep might one thing that you really love, like say you have like a particular Prince album that you really love. She might keep that for sentimental reasons, but your 9 million CDs 
that no one has the ability to actually listen to anymore, she might put that in with you. Well, that's beside the point. Like, my point is I'm asking anything that you might be offended <laughs> that someone might get rid of in your passing that you'd think, I actually thought you'd actually like to keep this and I would keep this forever and ever. Nothing. I don't own anything. I don't like, no, nothing. I ain't got nothing. My jewellery, the bits that I have, Egypt would get it. So it's just like, I don't have anything. Okay. No, I I, I only, because I want to be cremated and I really want to be turned into a diamond. I do want that diamond to be cut up and my sons like make something of it. Like that's, that's my only kind of real wish. And if it didn't happen, wherever I go to, I think I would be a little bit pissed that this form wasn't worn as a diamond. Yeah, I like the idea you can get fingerprints now. Well done. So um, they can take a, a, a your fingerprint and you can get that made into a form of jewelry. I, I quite like that for like your kids. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. And any comments? Uh, um, Yafa says my music collection. Yes, but see if people don't like the same music as you, though. And it's just a personal thingy, like, yeah, I don't want that. It's just, there's things that I'm looking around like, can you just keep that? And this this little bit, it was because your sentiment, really, and it does, obviously yeah. doesn't transfer to anybody else. <laughs> you know, but it's just like, my, but no, my books, I'm like, if Amma doesn't keep my books, ooh, all these books that have, I, you know, mean so much to me, every single one of them, that I'd think I'd be like, you, how dare you? Ronald has just said, I think about the books and music that I love, but no one else gives a shit about. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. It's those type of things. Like, my books would hurt me, man. Oh, where she put them in with you? Yeah, but um, well, I don't, I want you to keep them and <laughs> keep them, my books. But that's my problem. This is the whole point of the question. I, there's no explanation for it. I would be offended if she got rid of my books and my source magazines that I've kept for oh, how many years. On. That's the thing. I, I think, know. If if you if you anyway, I'm just saying if I'm left after, I'm saying to her, put them in the coffin with your mum. You ain't got room for that <laughs> shit. Lay it, lay it, <laughs> lay it in with her. She'll yeah, appreciate write, that. She got her music. She got her magazine. She's got her books. She let me write my will and make sure that Auntie Farah does not have jurisdiction or I cannot have a. Have I won't a have jurisdiction. I'll just be making comments. No. <laughs> Banned from the banned from the space. Anyway, anyway, what's made you sad, mad, and glad this week, <coughs> Auntie Farah? No, oh, me. Um, okay, hold on. I am sad. I need to get his name. Okay, I am sad about the death of. I'm going to butcher his name. You lot follow Jimmy, the the young boy who jumped in the Thames to save the other um, lady. To save a woman who had jumped, who had fallen into the Thames, um, I'm sad at the death of him. I'm sad that it took them a long time to actually disclose his name and the fact that how heroic he was. I'm sad that they called off the search when they did. I'm very sad about that. Um, I am mad that Whiplash actually takes a lot longer to get over than I anticipated. And I've been filled with new symptoms, which includes dizzy spells and feeling nauseous and headaches. And I thought I'd be all right by now. So I'm mad at that because I'm mad at the amount of money that I have to spend on Ubers every day to do the school run because I can't drive. Um, and I am glad at Daniel's epic win 
I that's that's my glad. I just think it's amazing, and I just love the unity of the brohood that came together following it. That made me very glad. Thank you, Shadow. Um, okay, so I am very sad at Jimmy too. Um, yeah, it's just such a tragic um, situation there. Um, I'm mad because I'm doing low sugar at the moment, so I keep having mood swings, and I hate the fact that an outside substance can control me like this. Um, so it makes me very angry and having mood swings. So yeah, that's annoying for me. Um, also, so I'm glad about Daniel. I'm also glad about that. Also, I got the vaccine. I got my first injection and I'm happy about that. The first day was a bit touch and go, I'm not gonna lie. But maybe that's why you've got mood swings, just jokes. Um but yeah, I think yeah, so yeah, that's my that's my glad. And then hopefully that's one step closer to be able to fully go in on holiday. Yes. Uh Auntie Nana. You are on mute, my love. peak auntie behavior so sorry guys okay so i am sad i watched a documentary on amazon called time and it's such a brilliant documentary it spans like um kind of home movie footage of this couple who go through the american prison system um and they bring up these super intelligent black boys. And yeah, it was just a, a really charged emotional documentary. So I recommend people to watch it. But also it's harrowing because it really does show how the American prison system is just another form of slavery. I'm mad that Britain borrowed £300 billion during the pandemic. I want to know where that money has gone. And I'm glad that I'm getting closer to finding a new space for my business. And hopefully I will have a nice new workshop very soon. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I'm sad that for some reason my skin is reacting to something and I don't know what it is. It's been a couple of weeks and it's just all around here, all around my eyes, especially has broken out in some weird allergic reaction and I don't know what to do. Well, I'm going through the process and I'm impatient because I want it to go away now. So I'm a bit sad about that because my skin hurts. Um, I'm also sad about Follow Jimmy and um, his heroism and the fact that he lost his life um, doing an act of bravery. Um, I'm mad at the, I'm, I'm, we haven't talked about this. I'm really mad that you see the outbreak of the re-outbreak of COVID in India, and there's lots of Western co coverage about, you know, India is suffering, dying, and da -da -da, COVID and all that type of stuff, and showing real extensive footage of people dying in the streets and all that type of stuff. But yet the UK, America, and the EU have um, rejected uh, a, a, an appeal to release the patent on the COVID vaccine. So now if you had, if these countries, and again, they've in quotes, the third world countries or the developing countries, the ones that they, made developing countries if they had access to the patent they could distribute the vaccine to their own people and then possibly outbreaks wouldn't happen in the in the masses that they are because then they'd be able to deliver it because the whole thing is that apparently britain has bought like three times the population amount of vaccine and so they're in control of it and they're you know boris announced the other day that he would kindly donate his, some vaccines to india if asked 
um, like walls or just given the fucking pattern because they India can manufacture, they definitely have manufacturing labs in India and all the countries that are sitting there waiting for their vaccines to be delivered um, because there's a shortage for other countries, but yet the Western countries have multiple and are sitting on it and the pattern. Again, colonialism, big business, because obviously I think people get subsidized. However it's distributed, someone gets money in kickbacks, isn't it, if they're in control of it. And that's just making me mad because the cheek of Boris saying that, or oh, we can send some over. Just release the fucking pattern. This is not the time to have business in people's health. And then you're going to talk about people can't travel and lock people down, stop people from coming from other countries when you could just release a pattern and let every, everybody control their own distribution of their own vaccine. That makes me also think what's inside the vaccine that you don't want other people to know. Anyway, so there's that. That's made me mad. And then what I'm glad about is Daniel's win um, and just seeing these guys thriving in their element, talented young brothers, and the fact that they are being rewarded for their talent, not the fact that they're just coasting on any type of coattails. Um, and I'm also glad because I had a successful 21st gathering for my daughter, and she's now entered the world of 21st Humden hood and yeah got a big old grown ass 21 year old it's quite emotional but i'm glad and um she had a really lovely lovely evening too actually Bar family barbecue on saturday was wonderful too um really good can and i just it. add one more glad yes um, handmaiden's tell is back tomorrow is it tomorrow already she 28th right so yeah although i'm kind of scared um, i'm excited to watch it i am um, I'm also then, can I add a glad that finally, after much prodding and poking, you're on the Handmaid's Tale wave, Auntie Shadow. <laughs> that did take a while. <laughs> it took a while. And finally, um, the fact that it's ironic, the fact that you're telling me about when it is, I love it. Thank you. Um, you know, I think I had the screener and I didn't watch it. I said, I'll let me wait. I want to watch it with the people then because I could have watched it kind of a few months back and I said, I'll wait. So I'm actually glad. Um, yes. Comment. Let's get the comments. Um, okay, we have Nicola says, I'm glad Daniel spoke about his parents having sex. That made me laugh for hours. Ronald says, mad that ex-senator Rick Santorum said white people birthed a country here. He said that the Native Americans were here, but there is no Native American culture in American culture. Wow. And Red Border says, apparently there is a program we should watch, Dreaming Whilst Black, on BBC tonight at 11.10pm. Can I correct you, Red Border, my darling? It was on yesterday at 11.10 on BBC, but actually it's available on BBC iPlayer and it's made by Ajani Salmon adapted from a web series that went what was popular a few years ago and now it's been picked up for a pilot should have been picked up for a series but that's how this shit goes but it is actually really quite good and um well Yay. done to everybody involved it's on bbc iplayer watch it and if yes, the more we watch yes. it the more it get picked up for a series and so we need to do that tell your friend to tell your I friend definitely definitely will my friend danny mosley is in it as well yeah so yes it's got definitely. yeah good old british black british story it's good Good, good stuff. Auntie Farah. So before we leave, I have a unpopular opinion. Stroke don't piss me off. Stroke is okay at the same time. So all the DSS, members of the DSS were out about, we've all spoken about how great it was. And Drake treated them to dinner. I have no problems with that. He's good friends with Giggs. He's good friends with Dave. He thinks he's from London sometimes. What my problem is, is that he's just such an infiltrating, coattail-hanging <laughs> leech. 
It just is. And what made me frustrated was the comments where they said, oh, um, look, Drake couldn't wait to hang out with his Londoners. You know, he really wishes he was from London instead of America. He's Canadian. His infiltration is so deep that people actually think that he's American. He's Canadian. It's not from London. He's not from America. It's Canadian. So all you people that are on Twitter and Instagram tweeting, oh, look, he doesn't speak to his American compadres like that because he's not American. That's my don't piss me off. Wow. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> and that was your aunties could never episode 59 please don't forget to join us every tuesday at 5 p.m uk um time we are also available on youtube and yes that's where we go live every tuesday and we're also follow us on social media instagram twitter and youtube and facebook and all those places and our episode goes out on our audio platforms on saturday so make sure you get involved if you haven't um, listened to us or watched us today. And listen back to past episodes. We're hilarious and we're very insightful and we're witty and we're just the best aunties you're ever going to come across. So thank you. That was Your Aunties Could Never. Goodbye. Bye.